Hello, nerds, and welcome to the Superhero Show Show, the only podcast on the internet that covers every single TV show based on a comic book, at least if it's live action, and then also some TV shows based on other TV shows that were based on a comic book, and also sometimes animated shows that were based on a comic book. Pretty soon, there's a show coming out on HBO Max, which means probably not coming out, called Bat Cars, where it's like Pixar's Cars. But if they were all Batman characters, I got to say, I don't know if we're covering that. Um, we're going to uh, panelist Caitlin to get some information on this. Caitlin, are we going to cover fucking Bat Cars? Brian, this is my first time hearing about Bat Cars, and I need Bat Cars in my life. Oh, my God. I don't even know where what anything about this except for Bat Cars. Now, and I need it. You notice that we didn't cover... Sometimes we cover movies as well. We cover so much here. We're... Uh, heroes in ourselves. The superhero, the hero and superhero show show is us. Um, we we were somehow able to get around covering the movie DC League of Super Pets. Mm-hmm. I think if we're not covering that, we're not going to cover Bat Cars. Uh, okay, who's in Bat Cars? What other information about Bat Cars? Because Super Pets sounded cool until he said it was Dwayne the Rock Johnson and Kevin Hart, and I was like, I don't know if I could do a whole movie of that. Well. I mean, if you read the Constitution, all movies are obligated to star Kevin Hart and The Rock. So that's that, that's unavoidable at this point. <laughs> so, of course, car. the bat cars. Whoa, what the fuck is happening right now? Did you hear that, Caitlin? Well, who is that? Is somebody... Is this like Omegle where people can sneak into our thing? Hey, okay. give me any requests that you have for things that I can be good at music on. I would like to hear the theme song from Bat Cars on violin. Um, oh, sorry, that's my cello. I don't have my violin on me. Okay, maybe, maybe, if you're going to go on Amigo, maybe don't misplace your violin. Just automatically go to Ocean Avenue. It's always a good one. <laughs> there is a place on Ocean Avenue where I uh, do store my violin. It's called The Pawn Shop. Yeah. Uh, that voice that you're hearing, Caitlin, is mm-hmm. the premier expert on the upcoming show Bat Cars, and he can answer all of your questions. It's James from the Timeline Scavengers. Hey, so, soon to be called the Bat, Bat Car Scavengers. Um, it's me. Hey, hey, you two. How's it going? Hey, um, I, I have some breaking news. Um, it's called Bat Wheels. Oh, I'm so fucking <laughs> sorry that I got that wrong. I'll probably never live this moment down. Ryan, we're not going to watch Bat Cars because we're watching Bat Wheels. Caitlin, look at some of the pictures, man. We can't watch this. <laughs> it literally does look like a car's ripoff. This isn't, this isn't your, your, your brother's superhero show. This is Wheel Life. It's a great tagline. <laughs> I love That's huge with the uh, Caitlin crowd. I do see a monster truck, so that's going to be hard to avoid. Cassie's not going to let us pass this one up. God damn it. I'm not watching this shit. Okay, instead of Kachow, what are they going to say? Like, v- what's going to be. Kavroom? Kavroom. Where were the drugs going? Oh, sorry. Batchow. 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 Uh, well, how about this? Uh, holy shit. Vo- the what? voice of Batman, the Bat Car, is Ethan Hawk. What? <laughs> Okay. okay, okay, but that's that's not Kevin Hart or Dwayne the Rock Johnson. Well, I'm sure they do something on here. We got to watch. <laughs> uh, Ethan Hawke is the lead animating team. We'll have this uh, on air meeting, off air at some point. As far as Batwheels goes, maybe we'll put it in the poll list. You know what? 
if we get people to write in and demand that we do or do not watch this, we will follow whatever the listeners want. Okay, I can get down with that. But see, like, our animation is rated R. In fact, our main event tonight is animation. And Harley Quinn fucking straight up murder someone with a bat in front of us. Yeah. Bat wheels, mm-hmm. as, as, like, this is for two-year-olds or lower, Caitlin. Really? It looks pretty cool. I didn't think it would be. So it's just manslaughter. It's not murder. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. But vehicular manslaughter isn't that worse? Or in one case, van (laughs) slaughter. It's not even manslaughter because they're cars. Right. Right. Car slaughter. Did you say van slaughter? Yeah. Van slaughter. That was James. (laughs) Don't don't give me credit for that. (laughs) Um, That was a good one, Ryan. Uh, thank you, James. That was that's what we call an alley oop, where you say it and then I say it. <laughs> like in that basketball move, where someone gets the ball in the basket and then another person immediately puts the ball in the basket yeah. again. You, like, and right just afterwards. gets the two points. Or if yeah. you put your hand underneath the basket, you bat it back up, and then it comes down <laughs> through the basket. That's yeah. what we just did. Um, so we will talk off air about bat wheels. Uh, But before that, we have to talk about this week's episode of Harley Quinn. On this week's episode of Harley Quinn, Harley has to fly solo on a mission to kidnap Bruce Wayne. Or does she have to fly solo? It turns out she has a partner she never asked for in Batgirl, who helps her take out Jervis Tetch, a.k.a. the Mad Hatter. Don't tell HBO Max, but they accidentally let the public see some Batgirl content this week. Whoopsies. But let's start with our other story, King Shark, which turns out to be a misnomer. King Shark travels back to his home kingdom to bury his father, but palace intrigue hits when his brother tells King Shark that he's going to sell the kingdom to Ocean Master. Taste Buds, what did we think of a King Shark-led storyline? I really like King Shark. Uh, And I thought it was hilarious, everything that was happening. Um, So I'm down for it, always. Yeah, absolutely. I have yet to see something that Ron Funches has done that I didn't like. So I I was into it. It's it's not a character I really know, because it's DC. And um, so, yeah, I I was into it. It's fun. Ryan, he wore, his brother wore his dead father around his neck like a scarf. Wait, hold on. There's no way that I could not watch more of that. Yeah. My dad's funeral happened when I was like 14, and I did uh-huh. the same thing. Are you saying that there's, there's something weird about me? I'm just saying it's because it's shark. It's funny. <laughs> okay, uh-huh. but when it's human, it's not funny. So, <laughs> it's like, mm, okay. Speciesism. I see that. Uh, I think that it's, in, it's really hard to bury, first of all, anything in the ocean. But second of all, yeah. um, a head and not wear it if he's got that beautiful scar. If you've got an eye scar like mm. that, you've got to wear that around. It's a uh, hot couture. Hot that- Right. Hot couture. Hot couture. Hot couture. I do think that we sort of get... I use this term palace intrigue. And I did that, guys, because, believe it or not, Game of Thrones is back and on HBO Max. And this show is all about palace intrigue. Did we feel that... Did, did If you're skipping the dragon show, the, the family of dragons or whatever it's called, House of the Dragon, uh, did this palace... My intrigue- dragon family. <laughs> <laughs> you say, sound like Michael Moore when you say that. Uh did this give you what you need? Were we excited to find out what happens to Shark Town, USA? No. <laughs> I feel like I almost could have lived without it, but also I loved every second of it. So, I mean, like I said, I could watch more of this. Uh, Prince Shark, I was not expecting Prince Shark to be how Prince Shark was. Yeah. Also, his name is Prince Shark. Right. I'm sorry, Caitlin, you... 
live in the United States of America mm-hmm. in 2022 and you didn't expect Prince Shark to sell off everything that he holds dear or people hold dear to the highest bidder for just to cash out, you didn't expect that to happen? I mean, Is that a Prince reference? No, it's a, our okay. country is a fucking full Oh, of gotcha, people. gotcha, gotcha, gotcha. Okay. I was like, I don't think he did that. I was about to... <laughs> what I didn't... I really didn't know, and I've watched every episode of this, and I've seen The Suicide Squad, which I think right. means that I've seen all King Shark pop culture entries outside of comic books. Um, I always did think he was the king. Turns out that he was just threw that first name on there. He was at no point the king. He was at best a prince. Uh, but he decided, because he's Ron Funches, to give his brother... Like, it's just going to skip him and go right to his younger brother. Right. He finds out that uh, the younger brother is going to um, sell it off and then gets in a fight that starts in one of the funniest ways, funniest moments of this episode. If you're a shark, you have one choice. You bust your head through the wall and bite Mm -hmm. at random (laughs) instead of walking through the door. Yeah. The way he just continues, it just... it lasts for like five seconds of him just have his head through the wall, just chomp, 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 chomp. <laughs> I loved it. It makes me think at Universal Studios there should have been not just a Jaws on the tour, but a Jaws restaurant. Where yeah. you're, just, you're just sitting at the booth, and at any point, a shark head can come through the wall. Yeah. Exactly. Eat your grandma, and then eat your, your macaroni. And then King Shark kills his brother. Mm-hmm. Did we see this coming? Uh, No. I, I thought it was well. First of all, I didn't see any of this coming. I he, he was gonna, you know, change his ways and then steal something. I did not expect for him to brutally murder his brother. But then again, it's, it's Harley Quinn and it's Pal's entry. And yes, and it's Shark Town. Right. And it's Shark Town. Forget it, King. It's Shark Town. <laughs> uh, all right, let's go to the other, probably the A plot of this episode um we start with harley quinn in a very sick poison ivy and catwoman points out something that i hadn't noticed as much as i should have but it's how codependent harley quinn is mm-hmm. guys do you think this is from decades of abuse from the joker <laughs> no <laughs> no not consumerism <laughs> with this all starting i ivy looked really bad mm-hmm. she looked really sick <laughs> And I was surprised that she, even though how sick she was, she let Harley go without her. And that none of them knew that Bruce Wayne was Batman. No one yeah. pieced each other. I was like, these are very smart women. And Catwoman's over here who will spill anything. And I'm surprised that no one was talking about that Bruce Wayne was Batman. I think that's just part of the whole DC thing of like, Clark Kent wears glasses, Superman doesn't. We just have yeah. to like, close our eyes and move on, you know? Yeah. If Batman started spending lots of cash... We'd know, but he doesn't. So people were like, who? He Bruce Wayne, no. People. He's rich. Also, Bruce Wayne created uh, Wayne-stagram. Yeah. The social media platform. Oh. And that social media platform does let you know who is looking at your pictures. <laughs> is that the fucking most Bruce Wayne thing you can think of? But Well, I think that the fact that he, f- had, he was so upset about his breakup that he had forgotten that thing he invented did that was... <laughs> Was pretty uh, pretty excellent as well. Are there social media platforms that do let you know? Like LinkedIn does, right? Uh, Who watches your story? Doesn't Snapchat? I thought that was Snapchat's whole thing. In- Instagram tells you who watches your story. So if you if you click on a picture, or you can look at any Instagram picture, but if you watch a story, it says yeah. who watches the story. I can tell you all all the people that watched my recent story. Go ahead. Does it say how many times? 
No, I think it used to great. though. I'm pretty great, sure great. it used to. Oh, dude, I don't know why. Like, who was the person who fought for? Like, well, I don't know why you would have the idea to let people know how many times, and then who's the person who fought against that? Both are disgusting people. <laughs> Jesus Christ. Um, yeah, I just, I don't, I think it only ends in bad stuff, but Bruce Wayne is like this uh, collector of information, so of course he wants to know who looks at everything all the time. Like, do you remember how The Dark Knight, the movie that we all love, because it's allegedly the best superhero movie of all time, it just ends with him hacking into everyone's phones permanently? Yeah. Just to... America. Yeah. <laughs> Big Brother. Also Britain. Me. Bat Brother. Bat Brother. Bruce? That's so the new get... reality show I'm looking forward to. <laughs> bat it's brother. just the bat wheels living in a house. Oh, yes. <laughs> God, again, need to watch that. Uh, we have Sad Bruce, though, and I'm fucking digging Sad Bruce's beard. Mm. Sad Bruce needs to keep this beard. It looks good. I can't take how many, like, just, he is he is fucking girl. What do you call that cat thing that you give cats and they, like, remember in cartoons where you would... Catnip? Catnip. Drugs. Oh. Cat girl nip. Just with the... I I try to shower all the time. I try to keep myself clean. And he's got, like, soup all over him. Beanie on with a guitar barefoot. Yes. That's what... That's all girls want. It sucks. Yeah. I was like, damn, damn Bruce. You did it. This is what you got to stay like. Someone will find you. Maybe not Selena. Definitely not not Selena. (laughs) But somebody... Like like Nightwing or uh, or Batgirl, who both subtly throw themselves, like not throw themselves, but sort of are like PDA right now. Affection, yeah. Hugs, we just kisses? we need hugs, and you know that's like that's the thing with all the Bat Kids across all properties is the Bat Kids just need a hug yeah. from Bruce. Bruce, why won't you hug us? And instead, he picks up his guitar and marches to the other room to make his lobster troubadour or whatever it's called. It's because they didn't ask for a bat hug. They're oh, forgetting right. the branding, and he needs if that they word right, right. there. Uh, so anyway, Harley Quinn she goes to the gala. There's always a gala in Gotham. That's always sure. where things go down. Uh, pretends that she's a harp player for a little while until she ditches the harp, and then runs into Batgirl. Knowing what we see in the scene with the elevator, and then how this episode ends, do we think that Batgirl and Harley could be platonic friends? Oh yeah. Yes. I hundred percent that think that, and I think it'll be a lot of fun when they do play with that because they already they already started that and uh, they're text buddies, Ryan. So and they're probably friends on the way Instagram. I know, but did you guys know that LOL period means end of conversation? Yes. <laughs> For the last time, yes. <laughs> no, from now on, James, when you text me LOL period, I'm gonna go <laughs> off on the text feed. <laughs> Noted. And it's hard to tell because I, I really like breaking down Harley because she's an interesting character and you know that she is because she talks to her former self in the mm-hmm. mirror. That's how Correct. movies yep. and TV tell us that somebody is interesting. Yep. Um, but she covers herself up with this faux blanket of villainy. You know, I don't like Batgirl because she has a bat on her chest. I hate that. That's how I was raised. That's awful. But really, it, it's she's too needy. And she reminds me of me. And that's yep. what we're subtly doing in this episode. Mm-hmm. Yep. I don't like being the cool one. Right. Or, yeah, or the, the knee-did one. Did you guys like the, the trickster guy and also all of his rabbits? His rabbit the rabbits. Guys? 
The rabbit helmets were, they fucked me up. They were scary. Those um, were scary just shit. The red Real eyes. Quick chemistry like, note: that's not how cyanide. That's not how cyanide would look if you if you if you died from that. There's no smoke involved. Oh uh, yeah, more bubbly though. It's yeah, it's more like an asphyxiation thing. I know it's hard to show in a cartoon, but I love the Hitchcocky intention though of him saying, "Nope, that tastes like tea. That's all good. That's very good." And I was just like, "Oh, that's clearly not poison. Then he's totally fine." <gasps> no, he's he's cooked. <laughs> I like that he was like, uh, some or maybe all of them. <laughs> uh, Jervis Tatir was played by um, Griffin Newman, who was uh, the moth, right, from The Tick. Uh, the, oh. the Tick psychic in the last the Tick show. Yeah. Um, did you guys know that the Mad Hatter is a real-ass Batman villain and not created for this show? Yes. I yes, didn't. I figured. I was like, this is probably something obscure that I did not know about. And it's not just Alice in Wonderland, I guess. Batman villains range from the Joker, like the premier psychopath in all of fiction, to the Mad Hatter, a guy who is obsessed with Alice in Wonderland and is still a psychopath. Like he's still a dangerous guy. But he likes the like the original text, and I really appreciated that. Like he quoted the chapter of Looking Glass that he was going to be subjecting Batgirl to, and I feel I was like, all right, so he's like a real fan, like not just like a fair weather <laughs> fan. No, he, he was never like, oh, it's like scene twenty three of the Tim Burton film. Right, right. Let's talk about that performance, too, and just his appearance. Um, he is uh, uh, mostly with the pinky. Why did I thought it was going to be Chekhov's pinky nail, that he mm. has this nail that he digs out a uh, roughly a pound of crud out of his ear. Right. Uh, that was never brought up again, so that was just for fun. But that's just a Coke nail, right? Yeah. yeah. But I think okay. he's snorting ear, other people's earwax off his nail. That oh, was- like Lewis Carroll. That was insanely uncalled for. I was uncomfortable. I was like, Harley Quinn, you did it. I feel uncomfortable. And then you just keep going. That was wild. Oh, well, I mean, he we see him and he captures Batgirl and Harley Quinn. Then he realizes Harley Quinn's a bad person. And then goes and digs out fucking earwax. And he's like, oh, you're free. It's like, it's gnarly. I, I think it. maybe he was just teaching us how to do a TED Talk. And right when you have oh. your audience, you just reach in and you dig something out. Uh, exactly. Is it like when you when you find someone is on your side, you're like, ah, yes, I'm comfortable around you now. <laughs> so comfortable that I can dig fucking like my brain out of the skull. So it's like a demonstration of power. Interesting. I like it. It's like or I'm, comfort, I'm the like, one in charge. Proof of comfort is like, oh, we don't yeah. sh- we don't shut the door, uh, the bathroom door when we poop. That's how comfortable we are. He's also, living just, his best life. His best hostage taking exactly, yeah. life. Yeah. So Harley, believe it or not, this is going to shock everyone, comes back downstairs to save Batgirl, and together they defeat the uh, horrifying-looking rabbits, and Batgirl sort of beats Mad Hatter until Harley Quinn actually beats Mad Hatter. Mm-hmm. Has beats him to death. Anyone ever talked about how her prime weapon is a bat? I thought it was a mallet, oh. but the giant mallet is so unwieldy. The baseball bat, like it, it gets down to it. Right, but if she's against Batman and the Bat family... Oh, shit. And she's the real Batgirl. She's the real Batgirl. And the fact that when she travels, she ties that to her car and she puts roller skates on it. And uh-huh. those, th- those are the Bat wheels. Like, uh-huh. it's fascinating. What a fascinating show. I found it with <laughs> guys, uh, we're, we're almost out of time. I want to know if you guys... How you guys are feeling about the season and how you guys are feeling specifically about Ivy and Harley's relationship. Do we think that Maybe it's Harley and Batgirl time. Are we at all concerned? No. No. They're buds. 
yeah, I can feel, I can see that they're going to be buds and maybe their, their relationship is going to like maybe uh, cause some tension between Ivy and Harley, but I don't see like anything like going romantically with yeah. that girl and Harley. She's all in for Ivy. The roots of their relationship certainly run deep. And, you know, I think that this uh, friendship with Batgirl is going to flower into something pretty special. Ryan, before we leave this area, I have to, I, I have a moment of the week. I know we don't do moments of the week. Caitlin, but like, this is the main event where I there know. is no moments of the week. Um, this is uh, James. I And to my listeners, I want to apologize. This is like amateur hour right now. But I guess, Caitlin, go ahead. Ugh, Ryan, I have to. Because there's a moment when King Shark is talking to Prince Shark. Um, and about, you know, they're fighting over the fact and that King Shark wants to take over, you know, the kingdom now because he doesn't want his brother to sell it off. And Prince Shark says, you come in here swinging your double dick around acting All like right, the king. No. Oh, I, like, I was like, I had to rewind because I was like, can he fucking say that? He did. Okay, this is, uh, I, <laughs> I paused and talked to my wife for a long time. We, we did no research, but we did ask each other multiple times, do sharks have two dicks? Sharks have two dicks. <laughs> Why is this not more common information? Sharks have two dicks? <laughs> they have double dicks, Ryan. <laughs> so it shouldn't be called Shark Week. It should be called Shark Strong because <laughs> that's two fucking penises, right? Shark Queens. <laughs> that's very good. <laughs> uh, that's are, all. <laughs> can we see them? Can we, like, if I, I'm not Googling it yet because like, we have a show to do, but I want to see if, those two dicks so bad. If King Shark has, like, a double bulge, I don't think so, but. No, I, I mean I in real really life, Caitlin. Oh, no, oh. Do, do we have King Shark here? Um, is he, can we? Show us, show us your weens. <laughs> can we speak to the two dicks? Uh, but yeah, that was a pause moment of, wait, have we been lied to our entire lives? And nobody's ever told me that sharks only have one dick, but I still feel like it's a lie. I, I just, I wanted to point out uh, Harley's list of things that she was packing in her backpack because I found it very, very lovely. Uh, rope, double duct tape, binoculars, glass cutter, pe- person cutter, and a granola bar in case I get peckish. Person cutter is uh, very, very good, and I really liked it a lot. <laughs> also, man, d- if you think you have enough duct tape, pack more. Yeah, like that's that's just a rule. If you think you have enough duct tape, packed more is what I always say to everyone. <laughs> I'll pack a roll for every dick a shark has, <laughs> <laughs> and that includes. Uh, duct tape roll, cinnamon roll, all the rolls. You pack two of each roll. Uh, Jack off shark double dick. <laughs> Did you say Jack off shark double dick? I said check offs. It was Chekhov. a far more okay. highbrow Anto- joke. Anton than... check off. Right, Did not right. say jerk off to. Because I could, I've got no. two hands, baby. <laughs> no. uh, Caitlin, on that note, um, yeah. you've been saying that you have a website that you have been building. Oh yeah, Ryan, I have a great idea for a website. It, uh, it's it's a really great one. It's all about educating people on the shark dicks. Oh, what is the URL? I've, I'm interested in this one. Um, two weens for me. Pls. dot com. Dot com? Yeah. <laughs> Okay. It's great. And you, th- you think that people that type this in are yeah. coming to learn to get educated about shark penises? Yes. Okay. We're going to promote know. it all over Discovery Channel during Shark Week. It'll be good. Like, I, I see no fault with it. Oh, no, my God, Caitlin. Discovery yeah. Channel just bought HBO Max, the, sh- the streaming service that has Harley Quinn. So this is working out nicely. I, I had it all planned. That's Discovery. part of my... Whoa! That's where we're going to change it. That's what we're going to fight for next year. Okay, so uh, tell me about this me. website. 
<laughs> Good night, James. <laughs> what what can we do on this website? Like, what can we click on? Uh, you can click on a bunch of pictures <laughs> of shark weens um, mm-hmm. to learn more about them, the sizing, the the health of the sharks, um, and then learn like just why why they have two weens. It's it's very educational. Um, like philosophical. It's philosophical, too. There it is. Falafafussel. It's F- also it falafel. Falafel. Yeah. You can order a falafel from the website if you need to. Yes. It's shaped but into a particular shape. Uh, there, there's always, it always comes in twos. <laughs> now, one of these uh, pages on your website says that uh, shark boys have two dicks, and those are shark weens, mm-hmm. but female sharks are called shark queens. So shark weens <laughs> and shark queens, is that, is that what we're calling them? Yes. Uh, yes. And then there's going to be a whole ta- page uh, dedicated to Shark Boy, um, which we know uh, is Taylor Lautner, wow. who I did meet. You know, uh, that yesterday. is impressive. Mm-hmm. That yeah, is I, yeah. very impressive. That's very. Yeah, I didn't see that coming, but yeah. I'm mad at myself for not seeing that. Coming. <laughs> That was impressive. Well, Caitlin, let me just say real quick that a yep. lot goes into running a website, and chances are you didn't create yours because you love handling the maintenance. Even mm-hmm. if your site is built on WordPress, which makes things incredibly easy, you can still spend too much time handling the back-end aspects instead of the creative or business side you want to be focused on. I don't and want you that back-end. I want yeah, the front-end. You, you, front, you want that business side of the shark, yep. if you know what I mean. No. <laughs> Uh, let Cybersprout handle your hosting. Cybersprout offers premium hosting specifically built for WordPress. Now you can handle or now you can focus on your website while Cybersprout handles the security, maintenance, backups, shark double dick, and speed Woo! optimization. They'll even migrate your website for free. Caitlin, that mm-hmm. word again yep. is Cybersprout.net, your partner for the digital world. When we come back, we're going through the rest of the shows. Now it's time for the poll list, where we talk about all of the other shows from the week, starting off with Sandman. On episode four and five of Sandman, Dream and Matthew head to hell to get the helm from Lucifer. Lucifer and Dream, D&D-style mind fight until Sandman wins with hope. Meanwhile, John enters a diner and forces everyone to be truthful, which ends up in everyone dead. This episode ends with Morpheus at the door of the diner, ready to get his ruby and take down John. Hey, Spuds, I ask you this. Did you dig the Lucifer and Dream fight, or was it not enough action for a fight between godlike beings? Uh, D&D is a better way to put it than what I had, which is, uh, like, sort of nerd freestyle rap. Yeah. (laughs) There should have been been a backbeat behind them. Um, I know that it can seem sort of Mm anticlimactic, but it's from the comic books. But how much weight does that hold if you don't give a shit about the comic books, Mm -hmm. you know? Let me well. Let me throw it back to you, Caitlin. Did you think that it was a good battle to use instead of like just throwing them in a gladiator ring mm-hmm. and having them punch each other? This is what they did. Did it work? Uh, for me, it totally did. I was so surprised because at first I was like, "This is kind of gimmicky. I don't know if I'm going to even like this." And then they started going, and I was like, "Fuck yeah, do it! You are a serpent!" Like. Oh. <laughs> It was so cool. I was not expecting to love it. And then I was like, this is like D&D, but like real life and like seeing every, all the outcomes immediately and then having them take the damage like themselves for their whatever Which is they not in me. the comic book. That's not? That, th- that part was added for the show. I also love their sportsmanship because they're not like, it's not like uh, Satan was like, well, I'm a mouse and I'm deadly. And then Sandman was like, uh, I'm the world and the galaxy and everything and you're dead. Like they they evenly kept stepping it up mm-hmm. just a little bit because it's not just about winning, it's about the gamifying of the fight. Yeah. You know? 
Wait, was it like the wizard? Do you guys ever watch Sword in the Stone? No. No. There's a wizard's fight in Sword in the Stone between Merlin and some lady where they keep turning into animals, like bigger and bigger animals. And then Merlin wins by turning into a germ and giving the dragon a cold. And then yes, I've seen this referenced yeah. in talking about this episode, and yeah, it is like that. And it's like okay. it's not it's not about becoming a T Rex. It's becoming about the perfect villain for mm-hmm. whoever you're. Love against. that. It was it was incredibly great. Which I think Ryan, you made it brought up that there's going to be like a tardigrade or something in this. So I was waiting for someone to turn into a tardigrade and like fucking blast someone molecular, like molecularly. That was in Paper Girls. Oh, that's what it was. I was like, I've heard something about this. A tardigrade would have been great because they can can withstand the coldest and hottest temperatures, right? Which, after the universe, I was like, here comes. Here comes the tardigrade. Water bears. But then, if Sandman says that, then Satan's like, I am a tardigrade bazooka. A bazooka (laughs) that only kills tardigrades. (laughs) Oh, okay. Your tardigrade is A+. (laughs) Uh, what did you think of Hell, though? Like, we've seen so many Hells so many times in so many movies and shows. Like, what did you think of the design? You know, it wasn't the classic, uh, we're just on, in fiery caves on fiery platforms with fire everywhere. Mm-hmm. Uh, I thought it was, I mean, it was scary. And I didn't like it. So, like, it, I think it was a really good Hell. Um, there was, like, Squatter Bloat, who was the guy who greeted them. And he had a fun name. But that was about all that was fun about him. I also love the politics of... This is so hard to not talk about the diner episode. Just yeah. try to stay focused on the hell episode. But I also love the politics between uh, the devil and Sandman of like, I will kill you one day. Mm-hmm. Like, I don't know what that means. Or like, did you come to join us? I don't know what that means. You know, like yeah. the, the rules of the realms are so are laid out in such a subtle way. We're like, this is actually kind of cool the way that they're talking to each other where mm-hmm. they know what's going on. Mm-hmm. We don't. And so it kept me interested the entire time. Yeah, I was totally digging that too because like I, he was just walking straight into hell and he he knew like the weight of it, but we like kind of didn't get it. He like hinted at it, but you like as the episode progresses, you got to see a little bit more. And then up until like Lucifer's like, what makes you think that I'm gonna let you leave? Right. And then he's like, well, because. Um, <laughs> Hold on, Caitlin, I got to get ready for your Sandman impression. <laughs> okay, I'm ready. Go. Well, <laughs> I don't remember why. He was like, <laughs> <laughs> he said, torture doesn't work. That's like, right. Yeah. Torture doesn't work without dreaming of an escape. And it's like, the hope is what keeps the torture becoming like being bad. Let's just say that uh, the Sandman on his way to hell looked at a lot of Barack Obama posters. Yeah. Because <laughs> hope, was, hope. hope was everywhere. It was like splattered all over this episode. Like, that's all we need. Green's so, hope. Was this the Reaper versus the Audacity of Hope? I think so, yeah. If if nice. we're talking in the very specific terms of podcast and also other sound recording software, <laughs> this has to be the Reaper versus Audacity. Um, I thought... I, I sort of sensed in your voice, Caitlin, that when you said his final creature that he became was Hope, mm-hmm. that, that was a little ridiculous because the music swelled and the sun came in through the windows and he was like... I'm home. Mm-hmm. You and I have very different. No, Ryan, it was dumb as hell, but I fucking ate it up. It was so good. It was like the heartiest breakfast that I could have ever eaten, and I enjoyed all of it. I loved it. Were you classic Caitlin watching TV, jumping on the couch, woo- wooing, like, it was, yeah, yep. hope, bitch, that's how we do it. It was Tom Cruise on Oprah. That's how excited I was. Wow. Oprah. Yeah. Did you say Oprah? 
Hopra. I did, yeah. Great, 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 great. <laughs> Hopra Winfrey. I like uh, the dynamic we have, Ryan, where we have to check in with each other to, <laughs> to not make the same joke. <laughs> While that was all going down, we saw John, uh, like, hitching a he's He's out of where his prison was, and then he had to hitch a ride from a really nice person who just was in the wrong place at the wrong time offering help. And he, he like befriends her because she's honest with him. And that's his whole thing is honesty is what we learn. Like you have to be truthful. Um, and she's a very nice and accepting lady. Yes. So she's one to, she's an optimist. She's one to like believe the good mm-hmm. or think that you're good before she thinks that you're bad mm-hmm. instead, instead of a pessimist who's like assuming that you're already bad. Yeah. And it backfires. Yes. yes. It backfires. Well, no, she's not dead. She's not, but I gotta say, Caitlin, we went to hell in this episode. Yeah, and the car ride was more tense than any scene oh, in hell. My God, that's what I, because like there was that fight between the gods, and it's like, yeah, that was more like inspiring, like jumping on the couch. This was like holding onto the couch every single time it went back to John in the car ride. I was like, I am, my heart is beating. This is like, I'm worried so much for her. I was like, let her out alive. She's so so nice. She doesn't deserve anything bad. And like the fact that she ends up and comes out of this insane to me and when caitlin says she i i'm not gonna do the research to like look up the actress's name but i will say uh therapist from ted lasso season two oh okay driving him around and just she's has got has had a terrible life right uh finds out her husband has created creating franchises like has another family and children in another place Mm -hmm. but you know what she got the kids and she's moving on and she's just like, hey, bud, you look like you're in trouble. Do you need a ride? Mm-hmm. Yes, I do. And I'm going to assume that the crazy guy with the slippers and the pajamas is not crazy. Yeah. Ooh. Is, what are we learning here? Are we learning that don't talk to the crazy people? Don't talk to the crazy people. And if you do, be truthful. <laughs> but she does try to, they stop out of the gas station. She needs gas because... He requests her to take him to his ruby, which is far away, I guess. And she tries to tell the gas attendant, hey, I need help. So he tries to call 911, and he gets fucking obliterated by John. Yeah. John has not a ruby, but like an eye necklace that we saw in episode four that just obliterates people. Yeah. It it obliterates. So it, it obliterated him, and she's still terrified, but continues driving with him because she knows... That's her only choice right now. And he gets his ruby. And Brian, were you expecting? Come on. Like, what are we doing here? Like, she get, she takes him to the ruby warehouse. Yeah. <laughs> which is, you know, downtown LA yeah. in the ruby district. <laughs> and um, he goes inside and she waits for him. Yeah. And she waits for him. I was not expecting that. I know. There's nice and then there's maybe a little too nice. Yeah. It's like, does she know he's that type of crazy but he also has power because she's seen his power where she's like i need a bit of that because he like has kept me alive this long like is that what happened like she's a little selfish she's a little wanting to power herself yeah she's like i've been through enough shit can you give me something for this and i mean he does interesting but before that like a a dickhead uber driver yeah (laughs) where's my tip i'm not leaving till i get my tip but before that we saw dream get to the ruby first but he gets like blown away from the ruby and same thing with matthew to the crow they just get blown away because yeah, something the ruby's changed. been changed in some way yeah which i'm excited to find out how the, the ruby has changed because how do you change a ruby 
How do you, how do you do that? It is but mineral. <laughs> you sound like a character on this show. Um, that so yeah so he's got his ruby and that all leads us to what I think it is. Uh, we're going slow through this show, but it leads us to what has become the most famous episode of this entire season. Uh, it's called 24-7, better known as the diner episode. Mm-hmm. So set the scene, Caitlin. The scene, we're in a diner. John decides to go get breakfast at a diner. There is like a couple people there. There's just like a young guy who's getting ready to go on a, a job interview. We have the the waitress who's just happy about Bets. everything. Bets. We have the cook in the back who bets, you know, casually fucks every once in a while, but doesn't want a relationship, but doesn't tell anyone that. And the couple, the unhappy couple that bets introduced them to each other. And and then the other girl who's sad because she just got, she can't find her girlfriend. So that's like, that's everyone in the diner. And we live in this diner for like, 24 hours it seems like and see how everything evolves and how people interact with each other and Ryan so you said this was like from like a very prominent one in the comics yes this is I mean this is all of these characters are in the comic mm-hmm. um, this whole thing is there uh, and this is sort of John D Dr. Destiny is like his DC name we're, we're totally taking DC out of it mm-hmm. like at this point in the comic books Sandman has hung out with Batman Martian Manhunter Mr. Miracle uh, Etrigan the demon walks him. So, but all that DC shit is aside. So he doesn't. Uh, uh, John D doesn't leave Arkham Asylum like he does in the comics. Mm-hmm. He just leaves some random, probably like Baltimore, yeah, uh, asylum. <laughs> and he's here, and he is uh, at this diner, and he's just watching. Mm-hmm. He is just watching. And I gotta say, Caitlin, just based on your description, I think <laughs> I just figured this episode out of me just watching episodes of TV, just being like. Do more. What, why are we just sitting around talking? Can you just do more? And these characters do. Mm-hmm. These characters all of a sudden start to... Well, the Ruby like uh, takes away lies because John D is just... He's so... He hates lies so much. But it, it's a little more than that. Mm-hmm. You know, I think that in the previous episodes, John D sort of seems like he has a... He, uh, he's idealistic mm-hmm. in that if we stopped lying, things would be better. But... We also sort of have to be humans to each other. Mm-hmm. And at, the, like, at a certain point, people are just like, no, I'll say any thought that I have, mm-hmm. and I will fuck anything that moves. And that is sort of what happens. Yeah, there's a moment where literally everyone's fucking. Uh, I was not expecting that. Because I was like, surely something's going to happen here. And we watch everything unravel, and we get to the fucking point, And like... <laughs> I was like, wow. Just get to the fucking point. We get to the fucking point. <laughs> and, and yeah, they're all... They're all no shame and that's when i'm like okay this ruby is doing something more i don't understand what's going on with this ruby but seeing the influence it had on on these people with him john literally just sitting there doing nothing but sitting there with the ruby able to control everyone within the diner is terrifying because we know the ruby's reach is at least a diner's like circumference how much bigger can this be where he can like he knows he wants to change the world with this. Like, what, what, I just have so many questions. It's terrifying. But, Brian, what happens after the fucking? Uh, I mean, like, you sort of realize that you're not just Rorschach from Watchmen of just like, no, there can be no lying at any point. We mm-hmm. always have to tell the truth. You want society and humanity to crumble. Mm-hmm. 
so as to not tell a lie. And that's sort of what happens is that he he gets them to the point where they're all fucking each other and then they're all killing each other. Like if you say, if you have the thought of, I want to kill you, you have to say that and then do it. That's what not lying is. Mm-hmm. And, and to the point where all of a sudden we see 1993 Doc Martens show up yes. at the door yes. and Dream is here. Woo. Dream has found his ruby. And even at this point, man, I like I don't want to say what I'm about to say because of the week that I've had, but John D is so Trump. And uh, I I really hope that Sandman coming in is like you you hit a point, dude. You hit a point where like we can't go on like this anymore. Mm-hmm. And John D feels like he's going to be like, no, I'm gonna take down I'm gonna become Dream. I'm gonna be I'm gonna take down the world. And then all of a sudden he finds himself in the palm of Dream's hand. Mm-hmm. That was wild. The way that that whole thing and he ended up in Dream's hand. I was like, this I, this is why I really like this show. It's always surprising and I never know what's going to happen. But then there's like moments like that. I don't know if we mentioned it, but in the last episode, uh, John gives the one necklace, the protection necklace to the driver. And like yeah. he says that she can no longer or he can't even harm her. So I'm wondering if that necklace is going to come back or she's going to come back in some form, like with that necklace in order to take down John D. Maybe, but that, I mean, that necklace, what it does is that if somebody is about to attack you, you just think and it oblit- like, oblit- like paints the walls with that person. Like that person mm-hmm. comes completely apart. And I just don't know if that lady is capable of doing that to somebody else. I thought it was if like, because how we've seen it is a lot with guns. If someone shoots you, it ricochets back and hits them. Is what we've seen, so that's how I thought it worked. But like an anti karma, yeah, necklace. It's like if you that's interesting. If you punch me, it punches you back. I love this show, Ryan. I really, love I, it. I. It was so hard again to stop, and I did. I held, I held so strong. I'm proud of you. Ooh. I'm proud of you. I do think that, like, out of all of the things that we watched for the, for this week with the with the hell and the diner, I think that the car ride was the best show that we saw i think that the car ride was the most holy shit it was what is this show it kept me on the edge of the seat i think that episode is the one that was my favorite because i loved like the fantasy element that was the fight between the gods and then there was also the suspense moment that was just the car ride and i was like everything here is just like it's everything you want in, a, in one episode but it's two of the best things so i don't know i loved it and we're doing you a favor. Like this, the show should be savored and not binged like other people did it. Caitlin, I do have to ask you uh, not what are your favorite moments of the week, but what is your literal favorite? What is the moment of the week? Ryan. Caitlin. Ryan. Caitlin. <laughs> Ryan. Caitlin. Uh, it's, it's the D&D fight when, when he just says, I am hope. The way that he has to say it like 15 times because he's like basically dying on the floor because she like was the galaxy destroyer and then he's on the floor like, I am, I am, I am hope. And I'm like, yeah! <laughs> right, that what? moment, that moment brought me through this whole week and I was like, yeah, I know it's going to be a good one. Right, it was. Because the Venn diagram between me and Caitlin's impressions of Morpheus <laughs> is what if Robert Smith from The Cure was Bane? That's what it is. And it's just like, I hope. Is it hope? I think it's hope. 
poop. My moment of the week, Caitlin, uh, I'm a little less heady than you are. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's that fucking double-decker burger. Oh. That guy wants to eat Whoa. so bad, and he knows that he's going to get shit from his wife. But that burger looks amazing. Yeah. And then he go. eventually he ends up going to the back and fucking that dude because it's diner time, baby. We're mm-hmm. all fucking each other. But before that, he's like, if you make me a burger, can I just eat it back here? Mm-hmm. Away from my wife, mm-hmm. and that was more sexual to me than people having sex. <laughs> I want a burger. Sandman is on Netflix. Uh, watch along with us. We're doing two more episodes next week. Caitlin, the next show we're doing is Tales of the Walking Dead. On episode two of Tales of the Walking Dead, office employees at an insurance company, receptionist Gina, and her boss Blair get caught in a time loop of the beginning of the apocalypse. They must work together to save the love, their loved ones and escape the city of Atlanta. Meanwhile, Atlanta collapses under the Walker apocalypse, forcing them to escape the city. Taste buds, I ask you this. What's a more fun way to say Walker apocalypse? Walkalypse. I mean, Walkalypse? Walkalypse is right there. Apocalypse, Texas Ranger. You should watch Tales of the Walking Dead. It's on Sunday. It's Sundays on AMC. Your next show is Resident Alien. On this week's episode of Resident Alien, Harry notices that Asta is pissed at him and has to figure out a way to apologize. Meanwhile, the kids are still taking care of the baby alien. The mayor and his wife find out they're not pregnant, and Darcy decides to compete again. But the heart of this episode comes when an overwhelmed Asta finally decides to sit her father down and tell him that she shot and killed someone. Mm. Taste buds, I ask you this. How well do you think Resident Alien handled a scene like this? Yeah. Why don't I throw that back to you? <laughs> no, I mean, come on. Alan Tudyk plays an alien yeah. on sci on a sci-fi show. I, like, is this show going to really handle this scene well? They, yes. Okay. President Alien always handles it well. So it's always going to be a yes. It was so good. We're going to talk later about a different dad-daughter scene okay. in the this is this is the king and queen of daddy daughter scenes this week. Um, I, he was just like, "Look, man, I went to Vietnam, and I have to deal with all of my shit. I I know you did what was right. I just trust you as a person, not even as like a girl or a daughter or uh, my kid, but just like as a person." Whew! It was. I cannot wait until I have a daughter who says I murdered someone. I, I, I'm gonna be there for her. I'm gonna be there. You know what? If you tell me that you committed a crime, I'm already like part of it. So yeah, I'll grab a shovel. I don't care. But on the other hand, you want to raise kind of like independent kids, though. So like, I mean, it's kind of that. You kind of get that into that pedagogy of like bury it with your kid. Is that like helicopter parenting? Is you know? Yeah, and then like, no, you're not digging in the right way. You got to go down and then up, down and then up. Exactly. Like. Teach them to, to dig their own graves. <laughs> Wait. Is what Jesus said. <laughs> Resident Alien is on Wednesdays on Sci-Fi. Your next show is Lock and Key. On episode four and five of Lock and Key, Bodhi is acting weird. And it might be because Dodge is back and controlling him. Oh, he's keeping a her dead body under his bed. Meanwhile, Tyler reveals why he can't go home. It's because he's tired of being reminded of his girlfriend's death. Nina finds dead body under Bodhi's bed and believes it's just a weird key thing. Meanwhile, Kinsey used the keys on Tyler to make him remember everything. And Gideon successfully gets 
all of the keys. Hey, Spence, I ask you this. Do you finally think this is the end of Bodhi? Oh, what if Bodhi is dead? Yeah, what if Bodhi's dead? That'd be awesome, right? Yeah, like, I'm, I'm down with it. Like, I feel like this show will do anything. It will kill anyone. And I think Bodhi's no exception. And if they kill Bodhi, will we be sad? I think it's the best question. Now, this is, uh, if you listen to the Patreon episode, then you know that uh, Caitlin has taken pictures with her childhood crush. Yes. And mm-hmm, mm-hmm. we need to get Cassie to do it as well. What yep. if we switch that and it was Cassie and Bodie taking pictures? God, yes. Yes, I need that. Okay, so that, that's our next, that's that's our next our mission. Get- Not Cassie's goal. She's going to fight us, but we're going to do it. We're going to make Is it happen. Is Cassie Bodie's celebrity crush? Cassie hates Bodie Cassie so hates much. Cassie hates Bodie so, so much. But does Bodie love Cassie is, the, is my yes. question. Great. Number one fan. Bo- Has a picture of her face on every single one of the shirts he owns. Yeah, more like dartboards. <laughs> he hates her. Uh, Lock and Key is on Netflix. Our next show is Paper Girls. Yay. The sixth and seventh episodes of Paper Girls give us a time rift that might get the girls back home. But before that, these teenage girls have to be teenagers. KJ is trying to get a grip on her recent revelation that is starting to seem less like a revelation and heads to the Kubrick Marathon. Mac is coping with her only having four years left to live and takes an untimely trip to her gravesite. And Aaron is pouty about one day becoming old Aaron until she decides to say fuck it and head to Larry's farm to see what's up. But most of these episodes focus on the relationship between the two Tiffs. Taste Buds, what did we make of our final adult to meet? Tiffany. She rules. She Adult rules. Tiffany rules. Absolutely. Uh, okay, so I'm going to fight back a little bit on this by pointing at... And, like, I'm not saying that girls have to be judged by their boyfriends, but did you see her boyfriend? Listen, I'm still holding out hope for Russ, I believe was his name. Something about... He almost revealed that he had any value at all, and then he didn't. But I'm still holding out hope that we could see some more of that soon, maybe. Okay, I uh, I realized that over these two episodes that I have a serious problem with the Tiffs. Starting with the original, the younger one, uh, mm. she is the most underwritten character, and it's because she is constantly saying things like, yeah, you do that, or, oh, see how that works, or, oh, talk to the hand, or she's always pouting. Hmm. Does she? Hmm. And I don't... I don't know if that did a good job with uh, building us up to the adult Tiff, who was supposed to be this cool rave girl, but also 90s cool, and we know that the 90s aren't that cool anymore. I'm Adult Tiff was entirely redeemed when she immediately was like, yeah, that makes sense because of this smart, smart thing. And then she calls them her, my poor time-traveling babies. <laughs> I, was like, hug, hug man. I was like, I'm in with this all day. Even, even Mac was like, I gotta get, I gotta get in on this hug. And then she drinks a surge. Like it couldn't be more nineties. Like, uh, like James, you sold me. She sounds yeah. great. I, I'm yeah. on your side. Listen, she has problems. We all do. Don't. I mean, whom's among us? But you know, she's she's working them out with herself. How about this? Young Tiff is so annoying. So like only just a pull string doll of catchphrases that old Tiff has no choice but to say, "You're adopted." And then just like drop the mic and just that's it. Leave that in the air. I mean, Young Tiff's favorite Pop Tart is blueberry no frosting, and I think that no frosting. No? I prefer no frosting. Frosting? What kind of animal is she? Now you know, Young Tiff. There's frosting available. No, no, no. I want no frosting. That's what I want. 
She also talks like she's in a 1930s movie. No, no frosting for me. Thank you. <laughs> There's time traveling all over the place. All right. Uh, James, did you watch this uh, show episode one to episode now? Yep. And so what do you think overall? Um, the first two episodes were really rough, and I didn't like them, and I almost was like, mm, maybe maybe this is a no for me. And then all of a sudden, it started getting really good uh, with episode three. I Like, it was good, but as always is the case with me, once the time travel starts, that's where I'm really really into it i love uh you know i have to meet my adult self i, I mean i i like all these tropes that they're that they're sort of uh walking over and figuring out i think they're realistic uh like 80s girls and like that age where it's like they're figuring themselves out in various ways of being like really brash like over the top tough and all this stuff so i, I i'm liking it a lot okay so you're here now though and yeah. I, I i do feel like that i did follow your footsteps of like this is dumb i don't like it but i do and i kept watching and then now i'm like i'm so into this and it's it has nothing to do with giant robots or time riffs i just care about these girls so much yep kj uh rules like i really like kj i wish that she'd get places faster like both literally and sort of emotionally but i she she has like a cool, like I don't want to reveal my moment of the week too early, but her she has a dark sense of humor that she displays in these uh, yeah. that um, is amazing, like off putting to the toughest of characters, and I was really really happy about that. So I just I've never seen an actress do on a show on a like a gay show of like KJ doing like I'm gay, this is terrible. I'm gay, this is great. Yeah, like this is such a relief. This is so bad for my life. This is so good for my life. All yeah. at the same time. That's what I... And like this is a 12-year-old, 13-year-old actress doing this. That in the future, I will be gay. And I've never seen anything like this yeah. before. I did, I did find it... I wish they'd found other ways to make adult KJ not be there. It uh-huh. kept, it kept feeling, oh, I'm, I'm going to go to the bathroom for exactly the amount of time it takes for you to talk to me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but I do... I want to say that, like, is it Lauren... Yeah. Or whatever KJ's girlfriend is in 99. Yeah. Um, her slowly realizing that you're not talking about what you're talking about, but right. you're actually talking about something. <laughs> I already I told that... you about movies. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> what the fuck, dude? I already told you about movies. But, like, no, slowly realizing. Yeah. I don't know. There's all of the time, timey-wimey. Is that what Doctor Who fans say? Like, People all do, of that yeah, stuff yeah. is whatever. They, they're getting the other stuff right. And then also KJ upstairs with Mac, thinking that Mac might be gay. And also that she's into Mac. Yeah. But doesn't know how to do it because Mac will kick the shit right. over. <laughs> uh, I, I, I don't know. I, I, I love this show. Yeah. Yeah. All right. What is your moment of the week? Uh, it's it's at, the, at the cemetery when she's talking about what do you think your body looks like? The eyeballs are for sure gone. And Mac's like, what the fuck? And she just she keeps just on saying, going. I love a good bit that that is clearly going over just really, really exactly how you want it to, and just really, you know, when you when you make your crush think about their own rotting corpse, and it's like <laughs> that's you're in then. Yeah, I also uh, the I, I wrote classic cancer making cancer jokes because I'm a cancer, and I think about that all the time, um, where you know cancer is both your sign and the. Uh, cause of death so yeah i have that too because 
I have two twin brothers, and I'm a Gemini, and my t- uh, two twin brothers want to kill me. So right, sure. It, we have one episode left to watch. Uh, there's only they, one. D- there's only one left. If they don't wrap up that stepmom scene, her stepdaughter running around a few uh, the gravesite, that's gonna fuck me up. Like she deserves closure, right? What you can't just run around and be like, <laughs> "Fuck that bitch." We're just gonna get on our bikes. No one's gonna believe you. <laughs> Man, if you if you at any point in your life have to whisper to somebody, no one's gonna believe you. You're not leading a good life, or you're Bill Murray. Oh, you're Bill Murray. Exactly. Those options. are the two options. Yeah, yeah. My um, moment of the week is that the rift, the time rift that's in the sky, uh, is happening, and Mac picks up a newspaper and throws it directly back into the yeah. rift with like a perfect arm, and like, oh yeah, paper girls. <laughs> That's what they do. That's, I didn't get that. I did that, not get that. That's what they're good at. That's very good. papers directly into a thing. And she's like the veteran. She has like the longest. She, yeah. Yeah. That's very funny. I did not pick she, that up. She has been at that job, the Edward for longest. Uh, so that's Paper Girls. It is on <laughs> Amazon Prime. Oh, you got it. That's very, <laughs> very, very funny. Uh, yeah. Your next show is She-Hulk. On this week's She-Hulk, Jen gets fired for being a superhero, only to be hired by the opposing law firm for being a superhero. We also get to meet her family, featuring Cousin Larry, and re-meet her first case, Emil Blonsky, who no longer goes by Abomination. Taste Buds, I ask you this. Did She-Hulk do a better job of finding its tone as a light, comedic lawyer show in its second episode? I I think it had it the first episode, and I think the Same. episode definitely continued to have what I wanted and more. Uh, I, was, I, I was surprised that the fourth wall breaking didn't bother me. Um, I just, I really liked how they did it, and I was laughing the whole time. So, uh, this one really did it for me. I was not expecting abomination. Yeah. Woo. Yeah. Caitlin laughing the whole time, yeah. really? Yes. Literally All did right. not stop. Discriminatory firing practices is hilarious. <laughs> No, Tatiana Maslany is incredibly talented, and I forget. I was a big, huge Orphan Black fan. Um, you can I don't know if you can see it, but I have Cosima from Orphan Black right behind me on my calendar. I forget the amount of times that there that we get to see in Orphan Black the um, amazing comedic timing of Tatiana Maslany that we see on display here. She's excellent in this show. I think one big thing was sort of booting Mark Ruffalo, right? Like. He was sort of overwhelming the first episode, and it's Tatiana's time. Yeah. Let's let her reign supreme. But what I couldn't, like, I was also sort of over the MCU references in general. Like, let's let this be Tatiana's time to shine. Tatiana is a golden star in the sky, and I want the show to realize that. For sure. I think, I mean, like, I was so busy thinking about Tim Roth um, that I missed them dropping a huge bomb about Thunderbolts in Tim Roth's character. He says, like, I've met seven soulmates that I want to meet when I get out of prison. And he keeps saying seven. 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 He keeps saying seven soulmates. And And they're all going to go live on a farm. Yeah. So So we have our first Thunderbolt. Yeah. Wow. I completely missed that. Me too. Shout out to my co-host Colin, who pointed that out. What, um, to me, like an hour ago, or wow. two hours ago, three hours ago, today. 
Dear James, this is how I think Colin sends texts, mm-hmm. right? Yes. Dear James, yes. do not go on that show without mentioning that Tim Roth is clearly referencing Thunderbolts. Seven people who were picked to live in a house and also were probably criminals at one point. Right. The, you know, when, when people stop messing around and start getting wheel. <laughs> Bat Wheels. Tim Roth is the star of Bat Wheels. Uh, did you see the other big Easter egg before we get into the actual meat of the show? No. Was it the, the newspaper headlines? It was the newspaper What was headline. it? Yeah. They referenced uh, a man fights in bar with metal blades coming out of his fists. And Apparently there's a there person a... who could kick the shit out of an entire bar with metal blades that come out of his fist. Yeah. And then why is there a huge uh, human coming out of the ocean? Um, as a la Eternals. Oh, they finally mentioned the Eternals. Oh. Yeah. Yeah. That happened. Wow. Oh, my gosh. How did I... Okay, I need to rewatch this episode. I it was... Missed- listen, that was just because I saw it on in a zoomed-in... That was not something I saw at the time. I was... Damn. Yeah. I need to watch, like, episode one and episode two all over again, because clearly I missed a lot. All right. Here's something that Caitlin did not miss, that nobody missed. Uh, we get to meet... Jen's family. Mm-hmm. And Jen's dad is played by Mark Lynn Baker, yes. star of the TV show Perfect Stranger. Yes. You might call him Cousin Larry. Um, I, w- I was going to give this the best dad-daughter moment of the week, except for Resident Alien. Uh, but what do we think these two together downstairs saying, oh, I didn't need you to help with anything. Yeah. I just needed to talk to you. Yeah. I thought it was very cute. Uh, after that... Jen is at a bar getting drunk by herself once again, as right. we all know what that is like. And a boss comes in and says, hey, I have a job for you. Report Monday. Yeah. And then leaves. Do you guys ask any questions in that moment? I, I feel I'll like... just be like, what, 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 Especially knowing that he is the person that is responsible for you basically losing your job in the first place. I ask questions. And knowing that he knows that you are indeed a super person and also super lawyer, like there's some questions to be asked. Like you can, you don't, you shouldn't be this desperate for a job. You can do something else in the meantime to find another lawyer job. Like you can do it. I, I feel like she's but selling the montage. The montage. We, it's very great. She's just selling herself short, which I feel like it's what, mm. what I, and probably a lot of people would do is it's like, you don't know your worth. Like she should know her worth, but yeah. She sells Absolutely. herself short, and she ends up at a really fancy law firm, though. <laughs> <laughs> what about this? Like, is the show doing a good balance of being like, here are these people, and by these people on uh, on the first hand, I mean the guy who she used to work with, who says a girl just looked at me. I'm gonna go talk to it. Mm. That was a line from Woo! this episode. Woo! That one made me in. Like, I was furious. I heard that. I was like, oh, when did we're, that just, happen? we're just going to glaze it. Like, the first five minutes. She's in a bar. Yeah, her coworker. Right before she gets fired. Ugh. I didn't hear that. I must have had my then, crap filtering headphones on. <laughs> and and Jen's like, mm, okay, I'm just going to handle that. No problem. And then on the other side, somebody's like, um, in order for you to keep this job, you have to dress like this. And by dress like this, I mean be she-hole. Mm-hmm. And right. she's like... Okay, I guess I have to do it. So we have on both sides, one, the obvious people who are like, I'm going to go talk to it. And then the other side, which is, well, you do have to dress like this and her just being okay. So uh, is this sort of a way where the show is showing all sides of 
how girls are constantly bombarded? Well, in the first episode, we have uh, She-Hulk is just basically showing that she is more powerful, basically, than Bruce. And it's just because of because she is a woman and she has to do this anyways. So we see how powerful she is. And then the second episode, we see how she can easily be broken down by men in this one and how she is powerful, but she doesn't understand her power yet. And I, I feel like at the we're going to see her understand that as we go forward. Like, she is powerful. She does not have to deal with this shit. But I hope so, at least. Is it saying that society is more savage than the Hulk? Yes! <laughs> but no, I, I mean, I hated, I hated watching her go through all that and being forced to yeah. it because it's just real life, and I'm like, ah, no, yeah. Ben, don't do it, don't fall down that trap. And then getting bought off by a corner office, which is something we all want, right? But she brought her friend along with her. She, she, she lifted a, a, another, another friend she up. Got to choose a paralegal. She, yeah. she lifted a friend. But, can we talk about when she gets into the corner office? Who comes in the office? Who comes in the office, Caitlin? Who comes in the office? From our, is it Comedy of the Year? It is. It won 2021 Comedy of the Year. It's 2021 Comedy of the Year for uh, uh, your pop filter. It's from the other guy's Pug. That his name? I don't remember what his name I don't is. Either. That's his name on the on the show. It's Pug for sure. Oh, on the She Hulk, the, the other two. It's Josh Sagara who comes in. I'm going to say not with the most range I've ever seen from any actor because he comes in like Pug, just being like, hey, "I bought you a, I brought you a oh, snack basket," <laughs> and I want him on the show so hard. It's crazy. Right, the snack basket table back to the best toilet to poop in, and damn it, I was like. Oh, that that proves you know women. <laughs> like here okay. is where it this is. This is a man who supports women because he <laughs> gave us a match to the good pooping This stacks. one, everyone's always walking into. <laughs> this one is quiet and there's candy. <laughs> this is what you need on your first day. I need every job you start. You need someone like him. Be like, okay, here's the land of land. This is where you do this. And this is where you do this. This is our office politics. Like this is your bookout, man. He's yeah. one of those guys, a lot like, uh, like Pop Hall of Famer Alan Tudyk. No, not like, I mean, not like Taylor Lautner. <laughs> Alan Tudyk, where like, oh, you're on this show? I'm good. I'm good. Mm-hmm. Like, mm-hmm. Josh Segarra is here, guys, and he brought a fucking snack basket, and we are good now. And then She-Hulk goes, she's like, you know what? I'm going to talk to Bruce. I'm going to see if I can take this case. Uh, we all know what's going to happen. And she talks to Tim Roth. And guys, do you know, outside of Samuel L. Jackson... Tim Roth is the longest tenured MCU actor. Really? Did you guys, did you call that? Did you say, were you like, I think Tim Roth is going to, like, he's got it. I, I, I was actually watching Rosencrantz and Guildenstern are dead back in the 90s. And I was that like, that guy. Oh, MCU, like that yep, guy. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Yeah. It, has he been in any other MCU besides, like, Edward Norton's The Hulk? Shang-Chi. Shang-Chi. Yeah. What? Wait, yeah. hold on. Remember at the end when they're like, uh, he has been secret street fighting and escaping somehow? And she's like, oh, well, that's that not sucks. Good. God, yeah. I've missed so much. Yeah, that was in Shang-Chi. Yeah. How did, I watched that movie. I love that movie. How did I? I'm missing so much. Listen, Caitlin, Big Green we do this are, podcast not to uh, teach our listeners, but to teach our panelists yes. as well. Yeah. yeah. We're really, I'm just playing it up so that the audience knows what's going on. Oh, nice. So that it's, they don't feel bad. That's what, that's my job here. <laughs> Don't don't break Kate Fabe. 
Kate Fabe. Caitlin. Kate Fabe. <laughs> no, that that's pretty good. <laughs> All right. So I like I, very much. I, <laughs> okay, we're gonna have that one stricken from the record. <laughs> also, Bruce Banner is flying in that spaceship. Uh, that we saw in the first yeah. episode. He's just going back to space. I saw um, a bunch of people were saying World War Hulk, and I didn't click on it because I don't want to see any spoilers or anything, but uh, that's not how World War Hulk starts. Uh, <laughs> no. Just because he's on a spaceship doesn't mean World War Hulk. Everyone calm down. And also, uh, James, I know that you listened to last week's Superhero Show Show episode because of you're course. a yeah. constant yeah. listener, but just in case you didn't, um, the first episode was cold together between what they thought would be the first and what they thought would be the last. And so that's why the spaceship was in the first and sort of in the second. Mm. Yeah. Interesting. I remember I'm, that, that you said I'm that. more optimistic, but I'm not, I'm still not stoked. Uh, I would not call myself stoked. I'm beyond stoked. Phase five right. should be all women. Yeah. In the MCU, I'm, yeah. I'm done with. We've, we've had a, we've had a bunch of men. I'm, I'm reading all these comic books where I'm like, I know none of these characters, and they all rule, and they're all women, and we need more of them. James, you're right. Uh, read- we should bring Squirrel Girl into that. Hell yeah, we should bring Squirrel Girl yeah, and I, Gwenpool. Wait, and there's a Squirrel Girl. We are trying to say, and I just want to say it. First. Squirrel Girl is the most powerful character in the MC in the Marvel no, universe, no. and that is canon. Yes. So. Well, before this podcast gets woke, which you know is my ultimate fear, <laughs> Caitlin, what is your moment of the week? Uh, my moment of the week is Jen calls Bruce to make sure that he's okay with her representing uh, Emil Blonsky. And when she calls him, he's like, it's okay. I was a completely different guy back then. And like, they look at the camera, and I, it was so cheesy, but I fucking got me. <laughs> Now, James, this is my moment of the week, but in the opposite way. Oh, I'm saying boo to this. My this is ultimately my moment of the week because it's terrible. <laughs> Come they, on, Caitlin. they said literally, and that's technically. I correct. was a literally different guy back then. Are we serious now? All right, me and Caitlin both get points. James, what was your moment of the week? Um, the the family dinner. I always love a good family dinner, but specifically cousin Ched. And specifically, the name Ched. That name. <laughs> oh, that guy. No character has ever been more appropriately named than Ched. It's I'm Ched. Sometimes I think I've heard all the all the really great, perfect names, and then Ched comes along, and it's just like, wow, there's a whole universe out there. <laughs> I mean, I would say you have, you have your top four, right? James, Caitlin, Ryan, Ched. Right. Those are the those are the four, the like, four. most yeah, common yeah. best names. <laughs> Ched. And he was like, Oh, I heard you got fired. No, Ched. Why would you say that? He when was such his, a Ched. His the entire like, time he was such a Ched. Do, do you, can you give him some tips on being a superhero? It was the most perfectly like, Yeah, that's that's correct. Like, you, and we know you're a Hulk. Can you give him some tips on being a Hulk? And she's like, I don't. I don't, I don't think know. that's how it works. <laughs> yeah. We're going to take a break. And when we come back. X-Men, the animated series. Welcome to X-Tasmania, bitch. A mini-show within a show where we take an in-depth, episode-by-episode look at Fox's seminal and underrated early morning soap opera from the mid-90s, X-Men, the animated series. When the episode starts, we find out immediately... 
that this is a Christmas episode from the way the title <laughs> is on the screen to the falling snow to the bad Christmas carols before we get into this. Taste Buds, let me ask you this before we even get into it. How do we feel about Christmas episodes? Like, are you guys of the age where like, oh shit, Christmas is happening, let's do this? I These are the, the only time that Christmas episodes are good are when we have time to like really get into each one of the characters and learn more about them and the dynamics. That's when it's fun. Yeah. This episode just like hit the nail. Like it was like we're gonna tell you about why Christmas. Nothing bad should happen on that day, and hope and everything. And hope. we only of needed course. half of the people in the episode to do that. Yeah, <laughs> the other half are having a, uh, and we're, we're gonna get into their kitchen arguments. But uh, there's some kitchen bitching going on uh- while uh, the other half is doing it. But like I think that we find it all out when Jubilee is like. Presents are the key to Christmas. Like I've seen enough Christmas episodes, Jubilee, where mm-hmm. you're going to learn some lessons. But you're, you, they fake you out because she's like, "This is my first Christmas having money or whatever. Like I can get presents now. It's great." And you're like, "Oh, she's going to learn the lesson of giving or whatever." Mm-hmm. And instead, it's something far, far more harrowing. <laughs> <laughs> All right, let's start it off. X Men. When we start off, the X Men are singing carols at the house. Jean and Gambit are in the kitchen. Beast is in the lab, but I want to start off with Scott Summers being one of the worst singers I have ever heard in my entire life. <laughs> on, on the one hand, woof. On the other hand, props to the vocal, like the, 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 the voice actor who could hit that exact mark of the worst. Because you know, as a voice actor, he can sing, and he's trying hard not to, and that sounded awful. Like he did his job. Mariah Carey was actually the voice actor for Scott Summers for this whole series. And the way that she was like, I'm Scott Summers, la la la. That's very good, Mariah Carey. Seven octaves, baby. She <laughs> hit the low ones. One of those octaves is called Scott Summers. In That's the meantime, oh, I wish I had points to give. Uh, in the meantime, Jean Grey and Gambit are in the kitchen and they are not happy with each other. Mm-hmm. Guys, does this remind you of family Christmases? This reminded me of all the, literally every other time in any media, including arcade games, fan fiction, Game Boy games, like Tiger, like boop, 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 video games where Jean Grey was better. I hated, I hated, Scott Summers should, I don't want to, I'm not going to give anything away. Yeah, Scott no, Summers don't, don't give been away your awards. Valuable, but... Jean Grey fucking sucked in this episode. She contributed nothing but criticisms and bad cooking. Caitlin, are you a, are you a kitchenzilla? Okay, uh, Ryan, I uh, do not step foot in the kitchen uh, because I know I know my place, and it is outside of the kitchen. Um, if I were, to oh yeah, anytime I step foot in the kitchen, things burn, and no one wants me there. So, um, you yeah. think the same was for for Phoenix? Yeah. Like, Maybe she just get out of there and let the Creole man cook. <laughs> no, but did you like why? Why do we just assume that the white guy is good at cooking because he's going to make dirty foot pasta or See, whatever the fuck? That's how I took it. I took it as he was upset because her food actually tasted good and he wasn't going to get over the dirty the dirty fish water. Yeah, like, interesting. Because like, I took it as bland white people food. Interesting. He, he's making catfish. Catfish testicle stew, and right. maybe and we want something amazing. different. <laughs> Dub- he'd put that double dick shark in there. 
and he stewed that all up, and he's like, I hope everyone's ready for some dick dinner. Now, you know. Yeah, d- you're going to double dip on this double dick, and that's and that's just, you know, double dick like, dip yeah. is, yeah. <laughs> the top shock dick is incredible for stew, but the bottom shock dick is terrible. <laughs> Listen, I hate, I hate his accent, and it feels, oh. like, gross. And it does in the comics as well, by the way. It never doesn't feel gross. Um, but there is. Is there something that Jean Grey should have been paying attention to in that Gambit was wearing the chef hat? Doesn't that put him in charge of the kitchen? He, I think you mean chef. Like, get away from my pot, chef. I have the hat on. He opens up with, this needs a little Gambit magic. Yeah. That's like, jism, by the way. That's Creole jism. That's, what he's talking about. Right? He sticks his hand in the stew and makes it all full of kinetic energy. That's, <laughs> as far as I understand, his powers. <laughs> I was surprised. I was like, okay, all right, all right, Gambit. <laughs> Has anybody ever needed to fuck anything more, even a crockpot, than Gambit? Like, he just wants to put his jizz in everything. You know what? Let's get to Beast Lab, where he's trying to create the perfect christmas non-alcoholic concoction mm-hmm. and it's beast gr- is straight edge beast oh. is straight edge or as we call it as adults uh sober and yeah. <laughs> uh, he's creating something green and like ecto cooler mm-hmm. but it blows up red all over him yeah right it's blood it's it's just blood <laughs> all right well let's head to the mall and he's guys. quoting uh sir walter scott which is one too it, he literally says to his concoction you deserve the quotations of Walter Scott. Beast, yeah. I need you to calm down. Like, yeah. And then it ended up being like cranberry jam. It's like, bro, yeah. can literally buy that from the store. But it's chemical, so it's t- it's tastier. Is it I mean, <laughs> I think any kitchen concoction, any Christmas dinner thing where you're pouring one beaker into another is like, oh, this would be the best tasting Christmas thing of all time. Just like Charles Dickens wrote it up. Shut Charles Double up, Dickens wrote it up. Uh, Storm Wolverine and Jubilee head to the mall, and Jubilee has a tall stack of gifts. And as aforementioned, she says, I've never been able to buy people gifts. And I want to ask you guys, what, what do we think the Jubilee paycheck is? That's all I was thinking. I was like... They are wealthy, and how do they get paid? Is this a government-funded like thing? I don't understand it. Like, is Professor is- X like you make tiny water balloons? Yeah, for the X Men. Therefore, you get room and board. Yeah, or is she also paid because, like, also she is young, and we know that. Like, is she old enough to like get taxes out of it? Like, what? What? Like, are you? And you know that government is taxing mutants like crazy. Yeah. Oh yeah. The mutant tax. The IRS sentinels are out to get them. Um, I think that the parents pay a charter, and so that's where all the spending money comes from. She doesn't uh, have parents, though, from. does she? No, she does. Well, like oh. she has normal parents that are like, yeah. "Get this mutant bitch away from us." Oh, because she said this is like the first time she's ever had Christmas. So I, I know, which is her family didn't have Christmas. I guess Sad. that's bullshit, man. She's ju- I, I mean, Jubilee. I guess. I guess if the Jew, if it's Jewish belief, then maybe she has not had Christmas. But that makes sense. Which I also thought there was like it was just everyone was Christmas. Everyone was on board for Christmas here. It's like we couldn't have anything else. Nothing. And then towards the end, they say, "All right, Wolverine, you can leave the mall." And he sprints out as fast <laughs> as he can. Oh, the most disgusting thing happened before that. Jubilee calls Wolverine Wolvie, <laughs> yeah. and that's how she convinced him to go to the mall with her. Wolvie. It didn't, 
Gross. Wasn't there a time where Kristen Stewart called Taylor Lautner Wolvie? Didn't that happen? No. She just no. called him my, my sweet good boy. <laughs> you think that's less gross. All right. <laughs> and then, so they go outside, they walk outside, and an ambulance crashes onto the ice. No! I swear to God, guys, is this not the ending from the Hawkeye show? Didn't an ambulance crash onto an ice rink in, in like, that New show? York? I think yeah. you're right. Whoa. The, the the Rockefeller ice rink was for sure the final battle scene of Hawkeye, and I think yeah. an ambulance. It's it started when an ambulance driven by bad guys crashed onto it. Hawkeye is stealing from Extaz. Wow, wow! I guess I don't think it was an best. ambulance. It was a ambulance. I think it was. I think it was the 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 um moving van company. The oh no, it was it was a ambulance. It was just for George Michael mm-hmm. and his partner. <laughs> Whoever that was. Um, so that crashes onto the ice, and Morlocks jump out, and they start stealing medicine. Mm-hmm. And Wolverine points out immediately, these are poor people that need yeah. supplies. I'm going to fuck them up. Mm-hmm. I thought I smelled swamp water. It, like, ugh. Is Wolverine a diehard conservative? <laughs> He's Canadian. He's not allowed to be. Oh, that's true. <laughs> they only have liberals up there. But uh, Wolverine just hates everything that's happening from here on out. He's like, "Fuck this! Fuck all of this!" He's. It's like if this if he was Deadpool, he would be talking about how he hates this Christmas special shit and like everything related. Like I, I can see where this is going. I'm gonna have to help these people, and I don't. I already said I don't like Christmas. I think um, this is actually why we like Christmas specials is because we we know what's going to happen. Yeah, you know? like it, there's like yeah. comfort in that. But Storm and Jubilee are like, hey, these people are in need. Wolverine, please don't murder them. And eventually he's like, I guess, whatever. Can we talk about how easy Wolverine is con- is to convince? Like, the mall, calling him Wolvie, you can get him to go to the mall, the place he didn't want to go. Did he always want to go and just wanted to say no because he had to stay on brand? The, the people. He did buy a present. He did. <laughs> like, maybe he had a reason. Yeah. <laughs> and then he got convinced to help these people that he just, like, insulted completely. So Wolverine's very easy to convince is all I learned from this. His, his He's fragile masculinity it, is not affected by his healing factor. He is very, <laughs> like, someone once was like, oh, you want to go to the mall? Ugh. What are you a girl? And he's like, oh, oh my god! And then just developed a. He has to trick people into taking him to the mall against his will. <laughs> yeah, he wanted to do it so bad, and he was like, well, yes, you take me. <laughs> Come on, Wolverine, you want to go to the mall? I also want to shout out to uh, the security guard. Uh, Storm is like, there will be a blizzard. And then a security guard two foot two feet away from her is like, where did this blizzard come from? She just said, <laughs> let there be a blizzard. Like, she does it. Uh, anyway, just the, don't hear women. The Morlocks uh, convince the threesome to make it down to the sewers. And they are back with Callisto and all of these sewer freaks. Mm-hmm. They're super freaky. This is like Jubilee's like, I hope this doesn't take it uh, over an hour because that's when our X-Men meal starts. Like, we better hurry <laughs> this shit up. Like, I don't want to hang out with these people too much longer. Uh, they smell like trash. They smell like shit and trash. Well, and so I just want to get back to the mansion and not be around shitty trash people. Mm-hmm. Um, I hope, Man, Jubilee, I hope you learn a lesson. Like, Yeah. And, you're, you know, we're, they're, they're having all the cooking stuff back at the mansion. You got these poor people here. Listener, you might start crafting the idea that maybe the resolution of this Christmas special is we take the food to the Morlocks. 
Mm-hmm. Uh, hang on to that. Let's just let's just sit put a pin in that for a second. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> I mean, Gambit's at home making cow dick soup, and uh, that's all going to be there. Uh, but Leech is dying, guys. Leech is dying, and we know how he got his name. Finally, uh, he's trying to leech off because he sucks. The taxpayers like paying <laughs> for the medical equipment that we all need. Wait, wait, and the Canadian comes to help him. Oh. Yeah, see, it's all, like, this is why uh, healthcare for all is such a terrible thing. <laughs> but Jubilee thinks that it is actually, like, what's going on is actually bad. And so she does something that you will never believe. She sits down next to a stack of the presents she bought, and she pushes the presents over, and now the presents are on the floor. Mm-hmm. Whew. Now, how did that make you, have you guys ever had a moment where, like, <laughs> you pushed presents over? Well... I just want to go when they were leaving the mall and they said leave the presents and she for sure didn't leave the presents. Mm-hmm. The the business that the animators decided to have it be was she picks up five presents. The top one almost falls. She catches it, pops it down in the middle of the stack and then runs and that one falls out anyway. So she clearly has mixed feelings about how precious these presents are to her because now when she pushes them over they are symbolic of of the jaded nature that she's you know the upsetness that she's uh, feeling. Hopefully, and I don't know. We haven't talked about the entire episode, but hopefully, she figures out that the ultimate present is the present. Mm. Do you think Maybe, she will? maybe. Were um, Xbox is a thing yet. <laughs> we uh, Leech is about to die. Uh, Wolverine checks his pulse and says, "If we move this little kid, he will be dead." Yeah, and there's only one fix but god damn it i can't do it and then just throws champagne glasses and wine bottles at the wall and says my record is two and 20 <laughs> and everyone's like what the fuck are you talking about Wolverine? <laughs> he has uh done a bl- blood transfusion with 22 people 20 of them died immediately <laughs> two of them were saved Nobody understands the science, and Storm's like, well, Wolverine, you must do it. Your, your stats are bad, but it's the only shot we got. It's like, And really? someone says, like, someone quotes one in a thousand, uh-huh. and then he does it, and I'm like, was that literally a numerical, like, well, I mean, it's one in ten, so. But, I mean, like, I somebody guess quotes I'll do that it. to him, and he's like, okay, yeah, no, <laughs> that makes sense. Come All on, right. Wolvie, save this little ch- poor child. Ugh, fine. So Storm looks to Ape and says, Ape, where's the transfusion uh, kit? And Ape says, what? I hate. I, Ape felt offensive to me in a way that I couldn't pin no, why. Because it's like a white dude. So <laughs> like, that can't be offensive. But it felt offensive. Mm-hmm. Like, a, like, a, like a, a, a weird racial stereotype that I don't get. And so I can't figure out why I'm offended. But it. <laughs> it's yeah. also weird that uh, we did She-Hulk episode two tonight, and this is how She-Hulk got her powers of just like, right. here's some blood oh, for you. Blood transfusions were a huge way to get powers back in like the 60s and 70s, for sure, because they ran out of like radioactive animals or cosmic rays. <laughs> There was there was lesser uh, there was fewer gamma bombs being dropped on right. people so like yeah, chemical truck accidents were at an all time low and they were like how are we going to get these people superpowers and they're like blood transfusions 
Uh, and then they say, all right, if we're going to do this, we need a flat surface wol- for Wolverine. And oh. people are so poor <laughs> that there is no other flat surface. Then they have to ask Ape to do this? They objectify this this poor, poor person immediately. And he makes himself into a table. Man, that make- was wild. They're like, we need a table. And he's like, I will be your table. And like shapes himself. I thought they were asking him to go get a table. Yeah. yeah. No, and Abe, then go get a table because we're not that poor. We have a <laughs> the way he phrases table. it. I'm like, that'd be funny if he turned into a table. And then he did. And I was like, oh, why is he called oh. Ape? <laughs> is his name Ape Shifter or he like apes objects? Is that the thing? Because he looks like a monkey. Ape stands for always, possibly everything. No, it doesn't. No, it doesn't. Uh, but That's. He, he, he turns really into a good. table, but he, he, he transforms his head to the end of the table where Wolverine lays down, which means his right. head is sort of still there. So he could just He's be giving him sweet kisses on the top of the head. Yeah, he could just be kissing Wolverine the entire time. He could just be whispering like, hey, Wolverine. Do it, Wolverine. Yeah. I love you, Wolverine. <laughs> All right, we go back to the mansion. Jean Grey and Gambit are in a full-on food fight. Cyclops at one point shoots broccoli out of the air yes and i would like to talk to the x-men and say maybe in the mansion let's let's use less powers is that possible (laughs) right okay the broccoli shooting i had to bring it up because he shoots the broccoli but also the broccoli goes to his hand does he like tractor beam the broccoli to his hand the broccoli is not boiled it is not it is not flaming it is just tractor beam into his hand look caitlin we'd like to uh, address things as what we see, like what's on the screen is what we review. Yeah, and so what does that mean? But also, bad animation could be Ooh. in play. Also, yeah. Rogue caught one, and that broccoli was gigantic. Uh-huh. Like it was a full head size broccoli. It like, was a tree. It was yeah. a, he shot a tree out of the air. Yeah. <laughs> but like, dude, bitch, Cyclops, don't touch your like. That's so dangerous to all the people that live with you. You're just gonna shoot that beam around. Yeah, he's like basically walking around with a gun and just shooting like, oh, I got to turn off that light. Blam. Yeah. Like, what if my power was an AK-47? Oh, you're shooting. <laughs> bro- you're throwing broccoli at someone. I'm going to shoot it with an AK-47. <laughs> <laughs> All right. And then we go back to the sewer and uh, this little girl is leading Jubilee around and showing her what Christmas is. And Jubilee says... This is the most beautiful Christmas tree I've ever seen, which is bullshit. Lying. Right. Like Charlie Brown Christmas tree. It is the it ugliest makes the Charlie Brown Christmas, Christmas tree look great. Yeah. The, it, there's it, half an ornament. It's in like a can of beans, too. Yeah. Like how, how, do we, through, how do we have to prove that they're poor? Let's make them poorer now. This is where I started to develop the theory that Leech was sick because he'd found a poisonous plant and brought it home for both ornamental tree and also food because she said specifically leech brought this home and the food home and then he got super sick i was like yeah no one eat the food like shit okay that okay this whole story of leech getting sick from the little girl it's like did he get sick because of the cold is what it sounded like and also leech is the only one bringing food and stuff into this house leech does everything yeah get him a coat yeah if he's gonna be your, your boy, says this. Hey, hey, ape, be a coat. <laughs> be. <laughs> <laughs> but that's his life. Then at that point, is just being a coat. Is that what you want for ape? 
I mean, uh, it's that, basically like hugging people all the time. I'm just saying. That tree looked like they were like, we have to make sure that people know that we're poor. Smash yeah. that ornament in half and yep. hang it from the top of the mm-hmm. thing. And then she led Jubilee into the kitchen. Uh, and she was like, hey, look what they're making. Jubilee, are you hungry? And Jubilee was... Uh, even as much as Jubilee has learned at this point, she was still like, no, I do not want any of your hot laundry water. Like, <laughs> this looks disgusting to me. Why are no, poor sweetie, people always making gross. hot soup? God, poor people. Oh, is this eat- your laundromat? No, this is the kitchen. Oh. Because <laughs> it smells like fucking feet. It smells like Morlock feet in here. That's, God. that's all I could think of. I was like, oh, man. Oh, geez. I was sitting here being like, he's found poison berries. They're, the, <laughs> all people are going to start dying, like collapsing all over the place. They're going to have to do lots of Wolverine <laughs> blood transfusions. One in ten isn't going to, is only going to. He just has wires coming out of everywhere on his body. <laughs> Did you guys seriously straight up send your youngest, dumbest Morlock to find all of your food and presents? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Well, Mariana is not. Uh, he thinks she's younger. The trench? No, the, yeah. the big eyed <laughs> anime girl. One of my favorite trenches, for sure. <laughs> uh, so finally, Beast and Rogue get there, and Beast makes a joke about, like, well, Wolverine, don't leave yet. You might, I might need an extra hand because Beast always—he's just jovial, you know. Like he always makes it more fun than it should be. In, in the comics, he would always say shit like that, and then I love old comics where they're like, "Get serious." Yeah, I will say that uh, this this episode earns extra points for me because Beast talks like Beast the entire time, and nobody's like, <clears throat> "English, please." <laughs> that was nice. Yeah, no nerd but they shaming. Say, I don't know what you guys, what else you guys want to talk about. Leech well, saved. well, well, Leech. Well, there's a point where Jubilee screams because they're like, "Bro, he's gonna make it." She's like, "Not on Christmas!" Oh yeah, no <laughs> one can die on Christmas Eve. <laughs> <laughs> That's the rule. I think the moment they came out, I was like, "It's just a day." <laughs> wow. Like, and then how harsh is that? I know. And then I was like, okay, "You have changed." It was a. Uh, but then Jubilee, okay, she has her friend there, uh, her poor friend, and she's like, we're going to need a miracle. Do you believe in miracles? And the little girl goes, what's a miracle? <laughs> she's really, really poor. Yeah. So poor she doesn't know what a miracle is. Like, because poor people don't understand what miracles are. Right. Jubilee has afford- miracle on DB- DVD. She can afford one flip-flop. And she puts both feet in that. That's and just hops. And just hops around as a one footed poor person. I think aside from like, you know, Leech being saved, one of the craziest things that's just kinda like pushed aside and like easily resolved is the fact that Storm was the leader of these people, but then completely like abandoned them and like didn't lead them and I didn't really understand what all was going there, but it's like, are you the reason they're all poor and sad? It's an Storm? allegory for the presidency. And also, Storm could have just been like, hey, Callisto, you're the leader. And I don't even think Callisto should be the leader. Like, she's kind of a terrible person. Doesn't but she only have one eye, too? She only has one <laughs> eye. I mean, like, so like, we need two eyes to look into the future. But uh, Storm is like, give me the uh, the pole of power, yeah. the scepter of, and kneel before me. 
bitch, you know that you're just going to make her the leader. Why are you doing... Just just give her the... Just say that she's the leader. Stop with this bullshit, Storm. They've Suspense. been through enough. They have been through enough, Storm. But we're talking about a person who has lightning bolt earrings. Like, she's into the drama. You know, okay. she likes how it all comes down. Loved her you outfit, know, like, by the way. Very good. When you get, like, when you audition for, like, a role, and, like, people are like, how did it go? And you're like, hmm... I got the part. She's that. She wants yes. that like Dramatic. like moment of like, oh no, I'm feeling one way, and then she tricks you. The interview went really bad, except for it didn't. <laughs> and then yeah. we go back to the mansion, and uh, Gambit and Jean are still arguing. Or no, Gambit finds out that no one's coming home to eat his disgusting yeah. fucking oyster jizz. <laughs> At one point, he says, I have uh, seashell pudding. He was naming some wild things where I was like, no one wants to eat this anyway, Gambit. This sounds disgusting. You know who does want to eat that? Is it you? The Is Morlocks. <laughs> Again, they had a full table of yeah. food. They had a full spread. James, you said this earlier. and This is all I was thinking, like. They are going to invite the Morlocks over to the X-Men house, and they're going to have a beautiful dinner all together, enjoying Gambit and Jean Grey's food, and that's how we're going to wrap it right. up. Right. No. The B story having anything to do with anything. Jubilee yeah. says over half our presents are, is, is food. Right. And they then got they Toblerone for Christmas. <laughs> they Why open the presents, you? and it's a teddy bear and an airplane. <laughs> Eat that shit, Morlocks. I like, guess you can fucking eat that shit. Is there, that in your fucking they got laundry the wrong water. calf. I guess that's just their luck. Why are they wrapping broccoli or whatever? Like, is there soup wrapped? wrapped, in, wrapped? What does Jubilee have wrapped in these gifts? Oh, yeah. No, it's it's gonna a hundred bucks and something horrible. For, like, yeah, it's not nutritious. dinner. Nobody, nobody wrapped a fucking Christmas ham. I got you Whoppers. <laughs> Wait, the... Candy, nope. not the Burger King yep, burger. That one, yep. Because yep. I would love a box of Whoppers. That would feed my entire super <laughs> yeah. family. Mm-hmm. But no, that uh, makes you believe the Burger King. Oh, oh, guys! And then uh, she finally calls <laughs> Professor X, and he's like, "We're gonna miss you, but I love what you did." Mm-hmm. Except for, okay, <laughs> I don't need to beat the dead horse, but there was a better solution. I guess is all I'm gonna say. Yeah. <laughs> We all saw it, but they were like, "We're not gonna, we're not gonna do that. We cannot bring these fours inside the X Men mansion." <laughs> no, I think that the show is telling us something: is that like we will give to the poor, we will not make them not poor. Uh, they, we will give food to them barely, like Toblerones, but we will not bring them into our house that is warm and comfortable and has a table of food. I like. I wish that there was a scene after he hangs up the phone with, or hangs up the telepathy, or whatever, however they're calling, um, where he wheels on over to the table and it's just like he like tucks into it, like he's like mine, and like he like stuff is like floating at him, and he's like ooh yum, just like for the, and it fades out into the credits, <laughs> just him just eating, just like enjoying this thing that he manipulated into happening. He gave Leech that sickness, is what I'm saying. James, did you think it was weird that his wheelchair was a bat wheelchair? <laughs> I I didn't, and I think that it was a pre it was a pre crossover sort of a calling shot sort of deal. All right, let's Fox. get to the awards. James yeah. Power. What is the best mutant power of this episode? Uh, obviously, Wolverine's healing factor. It's the only one that made any. I mean, Storm did Storm stuff, but 
Well, it was literally the plot was Wolverine's power. Eh, boring. Caitlin? Uh, James, I think you got it completely wrong. Um, I, okay. I don't I don't think it was Wolverine. Um, I think it was the power of Christmas. If you say hope, I swear to God. No, it was the power of Christmas. And <laughs> the that power is- of Christmas is what I have written down here. That is correct. <laughs> <laughs> two That's out of 20 sick. powers of christmas save the day uh, two out of 20 wolverines power <laughs> the power of christmas saves every year james every year that day is sacred nothing you bad. know if uh if wolverine would just uh you know convert to christianity maybe some of those two out of 20 would be a little bit better and he could rely on the power of christmas a little he more. just needs to hang out with nightcrawler a little bit longer santa claus have they ever made that joke they should have. That was that was like nice. Santa Claus. Claus. Like that's Santa why this. Claus, like he's that's why the episode Saint was not Nicked. good. Saint Nick. Ah, wow. <laughs> okay. Uh, I. I should write for Marvel. I think we I'm going to give James a point right there just for that. <laughs> uh, but no, Caitlin has an actual real point. Uh, biggest gasp moment, Caitlin. Uh, mine was when a fucking ambulance fast and furious is out of a building. And like uh, through the sky, and then Storm's like, "You're gonna go higher," and like lifts it, <laughs> <laughs> lifts it through the air, higher onto the like the, the skating rink. It's like I don't know how this was gonna happen without you, Storm. Yeah, but Storm it seems was like the Morlock plan there. Yeah, like, like you just busted through a building. Like it wasn't a Bugatti, but like still, it, I I got Fast and Furious vibes, and I was like, hell yeah, I got. I love how I love how Storm has the power, the mutant power of nineties R and B. We're gonna go higher, higher and higher. <laughs> how come Ape didn't turn into like a better storage device, like a Rolly Trundle or something, so they could get more stuff? Why didn't Ape turn into uh, the thing that would fix Leech and just fix him? Why didn't? Why did Ape turn into like his hands are now like flippers? Flippers, <laughs> flippers for like underwater. It's like, bro, we are on land. You oh, are shit. in I'm, air, but like I'm not storm. I better get my flippers on. The canonically like water person, obviously. Uh, James, what is the biggest gasp moment? Yep, ambulance. It just was. I was like, oh man, this is going to be an exciting Christmas episode. All right, uh, I think you're both wrong. My gas moment was Leech might die on Christmas Eve, and then it cuts every character being like, (gasps) (gasps) Jubilee being like, no one can die on Christmas Eve, but I will give that point to Caitlin because she said it first. Uh, Biggest 90s moment, James? The mall. Just that they're at a mall? The the mall. Yeah, yeah. The mall. The mall. Yeah. Caitlin, what do you got? Uh, I was going to do the, the perfume lady, but I'm going to have to go with TV. Oh, oh no. I'm sorry, Ryan. I, oh, I no, think you I, fucked up. No, I fucked up. You could have got an ultimate point. Oh, wow. Uh, I'm going to say the TV dinner at the very end when Gambit, mm. <laughs> they're like, I won't make a TV dinner. You can't warm up such a meal. TV dinner. It's like fucking Gambit. The world where Forrest Gump is Gambit is now my <laughs> ultimate crossover and... <laughs> Every time Gambit looks at his dinner, he's like, "Wait, is he is he like is he like me? Is he, is he stupid like me?" Uh, I'm gonna give this point to me because it is the actual perfume sprayers at malls. They went away, so they didn't get murdered. Yeah. Because so many sit like it was like, have we hit the perfume sprayer at the mall? Every sitcom, yet. every yeah. 90s sitcom was like, well, we have to do one about the perfume spray. Like, yep. you had to do right. one about somebody giving birth in an elevator sure. and the perfume <laughs> spray. 
Yeah. If you could do I, both, you win an Emmy. Oh, at the same time? Can you <laughs> yeah. imagine being stuck in an elevator giving birth to a baby while a perfume spray was constantly spraying <laughs> All right, <perfume>? breathe. <laughs> uh, that's the worst Lamaze I've ever heard. You cough so hard, you cough out a baby. Tommy Hilfiger's Lamaze. <laughs> uh, LVP, Caitlin, who is the worst of this episode? Uh, LVP, it's going to be Gambit because he didn't even make fucking jambalaya. Like, that is your staple, my bro. Like, I feel like that was what was meant to be made on Christmas. I don't oh, really know, sure. But- I, I remember all Christmases. I, I would uh, run downstairs in, in hopes of a hot seafood soup. <laughs> okay. But, like, we know we know that's his steez. That's This is this is Gambit. It's a Creole Christmas. It's Creole Christmas. And with Creole Christmas. Christmas, he's got to have jambalaya, and he doesn't have any of that. Instead, he has his like fucking oyster water or whatever the shit he makes. Not no clamps, like nothing, nothing I've heard of. No beignets, nothing fun. <laughs> beignets, that's a thing that everyone can get behind. Gambit, yeah, yeah. make those. For it has yay in the name. Yeah, we all love it. Beignet, like <laughs> I beignet, <laughs> and I'll be it again. I. Uh, <laughs> James, what is your who's your LVP? So it started off Cyclops because of the singing, but then he shot the broccoli, and so that <laughs> took him. Uh, it was Mariana, the wide-eyed anime Morlock, who did nothing, but then I realized she helped teach about Christmas or whatever. Uh, so it's Jean Grey for the opposite reason of uh, of Caitlin. Oh, she-, she started off making bullshit Christmas n- nothing, and Gambit did his best. You guys picked the two kitchen bitches. <laughs> it was the nothing B plot. It was the most nothing B plot I've ever seen. Why is this life. here? I like this this B plot is so bad I would rather spend more time with Morlocks. Yeah. That's what this B plot told me. Uh-huh. There is a there is a, a, a X-Men Christmas comic where a where Kitty Pride has to defend the mansion from a demon. Sure. Do that. <laughs> Number one twenty nine. Yeah. Uh, I'm gonna give this to me. Okay. So I'm tied with Caitlin. James has zero points. This is uh, it's Wolverine. Uh, just an absolute piece of just shit. The entire whiny. time, he was just very like, whiny. I notice it's I notice it's Christmas. Still, I don't <laughs> care about anybody. Shut the fuck up. All right, so I'm gonna make this worth three points for MVP. James, you're going first. Who was the MVP of this episode? Okay, controversial take. It's Storm. Here's why. She stopped the ambulance. She did any leading at all. She gave up her leadership when it was important to because she had literally forgotten that she was the leader of this entire community. Uh, spent most of the episode walking around in that fucking sweet-ass fur. <laughs> yeah, Right. Like a so, goddamn Game of, Game of Thrones king. She moved the plot along at all for any... In any scene, the plot moved to the next scene when Storm said it could. So she is the MVP. Yeah, welcome to Extaz. Caitlin, what do you got? Um, James, again, I, I think you're very wrong because my MVP is going to be the fucking Morlocks for calling out Storm on her fucking bullshit, not taking care of her people that she apparently was leading and may have forgotten about. Like, she forgot about a people and, like, didn't lead them, <laughs> led them into the fucking ground. Hey, like, James, have you ever forgot about an entire people? Like, how would I know? but store i'm winning single combat rounds all the time i who can keep track of these things 
I almost had Storm as my LVP because, like, she literally oh. forgot her people. Oh. But then, like, she did good things, like the ambulance thing. I love that. Um, so I, I couldn't give that to her. But, like, the Morlocks calling her out was my favorite uh, every she, single time. She and even Wolverine. And then she did better. She learned in the episode, as opposed to Jean but, Grey okay, and Gambit, but then she who had did to be nothing. All dramatic. It's like these people have gone yeah, through enough. Obviously. Yes. She Wait. she she does the fake out with every decision. She's like, oh, oh nope, over here. Every and time. we we learned this week that it could have ended worse. We watched the same two episodes because Storm could have taken a crown off somebody's head and stabbed Callisto in the stomach and killed her. King Shark had the same decision right. to make that Storm did, and Storm said, with a little bit of theatric theatricality, mm-hmm. uh, uh, this is how it's going to work. But Storm handled it right. King Shark, I don't know. Still forgot tell. about people. Now, Those... King Shark hadn't forgotten about people. He'd just been away. Yeah. And also, fuck brothers, a, Like a street shark. Um, those points go to James. James, you get three points for that MVP. You take the victory down. Go ahead and it. give your uh, victory speech. Well, I'm just... I'm really... I'm really bummed that... Um, I'm not bummed. <laughs> Tricked you, storm style. Um, uh, thank you, thank you very much. I- Congratulations, James. I'm going to explain to you what your reward is in one minute. But before that, Mike Gravano is going to finish his conversation with Adam Reck from Battle of the Atom. Mike, take it away. Are there any characters you used to like dislike or not really care about, but now doing this show and reading more that you fall in love with? Ooh, that's a tough one. Um... You know the one character that like has really become a favorite of mine that I never really thought of before was uh, Marrow, and uh, oh, okay, yeah, doing the show and and getting to read more stories about her, um, I really like that character, and I, I wish that she was featured more, um, but we don't we don't really see too much of Marrow, but mm-hmm. such a fascinating character. You know, from the very beginnings as a Morlock all the way through, like, the very weird stuff that Spurrier was doing with her. Uh, I'd love to see more Marrow. Does she, am I thinking of the right character, does she shoot, like, bones out of her? Yeah. Or am I, she has okay. this, like, uncontrollable bone growth that's always, like, shooting. So she has these spikes, and it's really fun. I, I like that awesome. character a lot. I wonder who came first. Did you ever watch X Men Evolution, the like early two thousands cartoon? Yeah, yeah, and because they had the Spike, character right? Spike. Yeah, yeah. I'm pretty sure Marrow came before Spike because Marrow is part of uh, like the early Gen X. And then, oh, okay, um, yeah, yeah, yeah. I think she's around by Uncanny. What is it? Three. I don't know. I'm, there's there's a certain point where there's like an anniversary issue where Storm mm-hmm. actually stabs. There, it's a callback to when Storm fought Callisto and she right. stabs Marrow in the heart and it appears that she kills her, but people like Marrow, so it turns out she's got two hearts. So. <laughs> of course. <laughs> so As fine. one does. <laughs> <laughs> then do you, uh, do you have a favorite artist and writer or combo? Oh, man. Um, huge fan of Chris Pachalo, Um just in terms of everything he does. Um, my favorite X-Men artist, and I think the person that just continues to grow in my estimation, um, is Paul Smith. 
I, I, mm-hmm. I, I think I've gotten to the point where, and it, it's always kind of been like this, but I think that run of 10 issues plus the two issues from um, X-Men Alpha Flight are just, they're perfect in, in a lot of ways. They're, they're absolutely perfect. So he is probably the top of my list. Um, I think Paul Smith. And so what, what, what era did he, I'm not familiar with that name. What, uh, Smith takes over in the middle of the brood saga. Um, so it's okay. Dave Dave Cockrum had come back after John Byrne had left and, um, he's sort of Paul Smith jumps on just as the brood saga is wrapping up and then into Wolverine's wedding after the Wolverine okay. series. Um, he also does the classic. Well, he doesn't, he doesn't do the storm. Oh no, he does the storm Callisto fight. Mm. Um, and a, a, a lot of the Scott Madeline stuff when Scott and Madeline. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So, uh, that, that's just an amazing era. I'm also a huge fan of the Australian out- outback era with Mark Silvestri. So those, those are, two of my faves but like it's tough it's a murderer's row i mean you just go down the list and like almost every single artist that has worked on the book has been killer um you know you probably can't say the same thing about the writers but all of them are sort of bringing something unique and interesting to the book that Mm -hmm. ends up in this like you know this grand tapestry of weird this giant yeah (laughs) it really is and trying to figure out you know what always depresses me is the sliding timeline Wow. Uh, so it's it's been ten years. I'm like Scott. How many wives has Scott lost? Like how's he? How do they find the will to go on if this is a decade of their lives? I always joke about this because um, you know Jordan D. White, uh, who you know we consider a friend of the show. Um, you know we've met many times. He's just a really lovable, great guy. Um, mm-hmm. But he has this ongoing thing about how Cyclops, like canonically, cannot be thirty yet. And right. Like, that 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 Scott is somehow like in his late twenties, and that drives me insane. Like, if anybody is in their like late thirties and going through like everything that comes with that that right. territory, it is Scott Summers. But you're absolutely right. Like the sliding time scale makes it like feel like, oh, okay, that last crisis was a couple weeks ago, and now you know we're right back at it. I should think you would give up. Yeah, it, it broke my brain. I'm like, no, I'm gonna just forget about the timeline to to enjoy this. Otherwise, I just want to hug them all. Yeah, it doesn't make a lot of sense. You know, we, we just <laughs> got uh, you know last week. I think the second Hellfire Gala happened. And right. It's like, well, how long was it since the last one? Like, <laughs> yeah, in their it, world, is it like once a month? <laughs> just is it a year. Or like, you know, you would think that all the events that happened in the last 12 issues of X-Men probably took, like you said, like a couple weeks. So I don't know. <laughs> so with that, are you are you up to date on all the X-Books? Like you, you're keeping track of all the modern stuff? We are very lucky through Comics XF to, um, you know, be exposed to um, the review copies and to keep, be able to keep up nice. with everything. So um I do try to keep up. I am not up to date on Steve Orlando's Marauders. I think I'm an issue or two behind on that. But I think I'm up to date on just about everything else. And I, I got to say, I, I'm still fascinated by what's going on. I know there was a lot of panic, um, you know, last year as Inferno went by and Jonathan Hickman announced that he was going to be leaving as head of X. But mm-hmm. I think that especially what you see uh, Gillen doing and uh al ewing doing um there's just such like even i know uh they just 
I think they just announced that Knights of X is going to be done after five issues. But like, even mm-hmm. if you look at what Teeny Howard is doing with Otherworld and like all of these little new landscapes that are there to explore it, it's just amazing to me. Like how, if you look at some of the other like Avengers, for example, right. You know, there are sort of like a universe to those characters, but like nothing is as in depth and as, as wild and crazy. Not as intricate. Yeah. X-Men's on Krakoa. They're on Mars. They're on the moon of Mars. They're in other worlds. Like it's everything. It's so crazy. When, so if somebody has been out of the X comics for a long time and wants to jump back in, where do you think a good modern ish starting point is? I mean, Number one on our list uh, is House of X, Powers of Ten. And honestly, okay. I think you could do a lot worse. Um, I think that series does a really good job of being both um, an amazing retcon, you know, mm-hmm. with the Moira stuff, but also right. just a really complete introduction to what you are about to see in this new era. So, you know, I think if you wanted the Reader's Digest version, you could probably do like Hoxpox. Which is if people haven't read a House of House of X Powers of Ten, um, and then maybe go through some of the other events. You know, maybe go through okay. Ten of Swords. Um, right. You know, if you're just trying to get started on what's going on this year, you might want to start with uh, the the uh, what is it Ten Lives X Deaths or whatever. It was, right of Wolverine. Yeah. Or or um, read Inferno. You know, I think like even if you hadn't read all of the stories in between, you could probably read Hoxpox and still read Inferno and be like, oh, OK, I kind of get like, yeah, in between here. But I can I can get this. The big so, hits. Um, yeah, there, there's there's ways to do it. Um, you know, it's really funny when we were in Chicago last year for C2E2. Um, <laughs> Zach got into a really long conversation with Chris Claremont, um, who is very combative when you talk to him at his con table. He likes arguing right. with people. <laughs> and um, one of the things that he was having trouble with was trying to see, like, okay, well, what should I read? You know, mm-hmm. what should I read to get ready? Because he was getting ready to do his new Gambit series that's coming out, which I don't think is in continuity with Krakoa. Um, but uh, I could see Claremont being like, I'm doing my own thing. You got whatever okay. Krakoa. <laughs> yeah. So I, I like trying to explain that to him. We were just like, well, you know, maybe here's a couple of readers. I just like, dude, here's yeah. bullet points. And he was like, Oh, no, no, no. <laughs> I guess, I guess they had been sending him instead of, cause the, the real smart thing that Marvel did was they started publishing the, uh, the trades of all the books in publication order. So you can get like, Oh, Dawn, nice. Dawn of X volume one. And it's like all the number ones and to number like two or three, you know, and but they also do if you just want Marauders one through five, you can get that. Right. right. So somebody made the mistake for Marvel Editorial to send him the the individual titles instead of the like chronological. I think that was like, uh, totally mixing him up. Um, totally. Yeah. So I I think if you really want to be completist, there's pretty easy ways to do it. Nice. Yeah, that hypothetical was for me. I've been out of the X Games since probably the early two thousand. So. Oh okay. I mean, hey, <laughs> if you're looking to get back into it, I highly recommend it. I think that, you know, a lot of people are, you know, you, you do have some critics of this era. But I think what people forget mm-hmm. 
is that there have been like literal decades of history where X-Men has been extremely inconsistent and not great. And we have just gotten right. into like, what are we in year two or three at this point of like, whoa, this is actually all like really pretty good with a few exceptions. Um, so it's a great time to be reading the books. And like you said, it feels like it's doing something completely different than the other parts of the Marvel world. Absolutely. There's nothing like it out right now. It's great. All right. I think it's time for the speed round. (laughs) From a previous guest, uh, what is the weird... This is from David Allen uh, from Nerd by Word, if I'm getting that right. Uh, What is the weirdest indie comic you've read recently? Um, I haven't been reading a lot of indies. Um, Probably Department of Truth, which continues... uh, Does that count as an indie? That's Image Comics. I don't know. Um... That continues to... Yeah, I feel like if it's not the big two, we can call it... (laughs) What is Department of Truth all about? Uh, Department of Truth is such a fascinating concept. The idea is that there is a sort of um, secret organization that is uh, working within the United States and across the world in opposition to the idea that if enough people believe a conspiracy theory or a a myth or a legend, then that thing will come true. So the department of truth is there to make sure that those things do not catch on. And it's really timely. Um, yeah, go up against things like Bigfoot or flat earthers or even like heavy stuff like Alex Jones and Infowars. And wow, it's a great book. So that sounds uh, awesome. Have not checked that out. It's amazing. So nice. I, that may not be the weirdest thing. I, I, I'm not sure what the, weirdest no, I think that's a great answer, <laughs> but I like that book. First nerd thing you bought with your own money. Ooh. Um, want to say probably a transformer, but since it was my own money, it was probably something small, like, like a bumblebee slash gold bug. Like, you know, one of those little Volkswagens. That was yeah, yeah. probably what I could afford with allowance. Yeah. First fictional crush slash current fictional crush. Oh, uh, first fictional crush was probably, uh, I, I don't know how old you are, but, uh, there was a Nickelodeon show when I was a kid called Clarissa explains it all. Um, yes, I remember Melissa Clarissa explains Joan it all. Hart, and I think that was probably my first fictional crush. Um, I don't know that I have any fictional crushes at this point. She was so cool. <laughs> Wasn't she? Uh, yeah, but, uh, I'm just trying to think. I don't think I have any right now. I mean, I'm 42. I don't, I don't crush on fictional. It feels like something that goes away, right? <laughs> yeah. So I, I'll just say none for right now. None. That's fine. All right. If you could change any TV show by making the lead character a baby, but the plot stays the same, which character <laughs> would you change? Um, I'm currently watching season four of Westworld. And okay. why I keep coming back to Westworld, because it continues to be both like, Every couple episodes, you're like, wow, that was really smart. And then every other episode, you're like, the heck is this show? Who's <laughs> writing this? Uh, I don't know who even know who the lead character is. But, like, if one of the lead characters was a baby, like, that might make the show better. So, yes, Westworld. <laughs> Just flip a coin, any of them. They, they'll switch who a baby is every week. Exactly. <laughs> and it'll make just as much sense. <laughs> All right. What is the last truly great thing you watched or cause we've been talking about comics. You can do the truly great thing you read. Ooh. Okay. Um, let's see. Watched. 
actually great. Oh, now you're going to make me open my letterboxed. Um, <laughs> and then let me think about... Um, I am currently reading John Darnell's new book, Devil House. Oh, yeah. The Mimina picked that up. Yeah, that is really cool. I'm only about halfway through, but um, I always like his stuff, and I would highly recommend it. Uh, last really good movie I watched was... Um, have you heard of RRR? I've heard of it. I haven't watched it yet. If you have a second, uh, and by a second, I mean three hours, <laughs> it is an insane... Um, I believe I'm saying this correctly, Telugu? Um, okay. Uh but my goodness, just like an amazing action adventure slash dance romance uh, political thing. It's just indescribable. So yeah, if you have three hours. I, I would recommend checking that out. It's wild. That's all I've heard is indescribable. So I'm like, yeah, that I want to know what this movie is that <laughs> people are like, I don't know. Just watch it. Yeah. Uh, comics wise. I mean, just um, either X-Men red or immortal X-Men. Um, they just, both those books are killing it. So check those out. Nice. Awesome. All right. Finally, question for the next guest. What do you got? <laughs> All right. What was my question? What was the question David posed to me? What is the weirdest indie comic you've read recently? Oh, okay. Yeah, that's a really good question. Um, if you could save phase four, MCU Phase Four, you got to save it because right now it's looking kind of sleepy. You know, it's just okay, <laughs> right? Right. Like Thor was fun, but it was, uh, Doctor Strange, meh. everything else was kind of just meh, right. Like, what do we do? Like, what is the or let, let's put it this way? Like, what what should five Phase Five be to save the MCU? How's that? That's the question. I, I like it. <laughs> Thank you, Adam. And then the actual final question, where can people find your shit? Oh, um, so folks, you can follow me on Twitter at Arthur Stacy. Um, you can follow me on Instagram at Adam.Rec. Um, all brand new episodes of Battle of the Adam come out every Monday on just about every podcasting service you can imagine. So check that out. Um, where else can you find? Oh, and I do write for um, Comics XF periodically. So um, check that out as well. And Comics XF is just like a hub of articles and podcasts for overall comic. Right? There's a Batman podcast similar to your guys' podcast on there, right? Yeah. So uh, Comics XF, like I said before, is sort of the website that, that came out of Zach doing a website by himself called Xavier Files. Mm -hmm. But now we have a group of like an amazing roster of writers um, who I think we've got over 30 people that contribute to this. Wow. Site. So we do full comics coverage every week of a variety of different publishers. Um, we have a bunch of different podcasts. Like you said, we have bat chat, which is sort of the Batman version of battle of the atom, um, which is really fun. So if folks have not visited comicsxf.com, you're missing out. Check it out. They are. It's a good rabbit hole to fall down, I've yeah. learned in this last week. All right, Adam, thank you so much. It's been my pleasure. Thank you for having me. All right. Excellent job, Mike. Special thanks to Adam Reck for doing that. And now, James, I do owe you a reward for winning the X-Men Challenge.
Your award for uh, winning is to read the advertisements in the style of my choosing. And so I will say that you have to tell us about the other shows that Pop Filter does. So it's uh, Movie of the Year, Superhero Show Show, and Unnatural 20s uh, in the style of me. Okay, so um, let's see. I'm <laughs> I had to filter something out. Um, your pop filter—it's a thing that we're that we're talking on right now. And uh, Caitlin, mm-hmm. Caitlin, I'm going to tell you about some shows on your pop filter. Mm-hmm. Here we go. Uh, you got uh, this bullshit show, Unnatural Twenties. I don't know. It's uh, it's it's three people. Four pe- I don't even know anymore. They're confronting their own mortality. It's a show that is for sure on the network. Uh, then you have the good stuff. You got Superhero Show Show, which you're listening to right now. And uh, if my notes are correct, you have Movie of the Year, where uh, a bunch of uh, movie lovers come together to argue over which movie is the best movie of all the movies of the year. That's why we called it that. I'm Ryan, and I'm in a room. <laughs> that, was, that was a good ending. Caitlin, because you lost, you have to do the ads in the style of my choosing. And you have to do social media in the shape of Cassie. <laughs> this is tough. Uh, uh, sorry. Uh, I'll do it. I'm sorry. Uh, 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 you can find us on social media um, on at Your Pop Filter on Twitter and uh, on Instagram. And not on Facebook because uh, sorry, we just we just not there. So um, you should do you should definitely check us out because we're cool like that. I'm Cassie. Cool. <laughs> you guys always have to end it with "I'm blank," otherwise people don't know. <laughs> how, how do you end an impression by revealing the uh, answer, <laughs> James? Because you won, you have to do um, the website mm. In the style of my choosing, I will give you the website. Great, thank you. Slowly, but you will you will be doing them in the style of Colin from the Timeline Scavengers. It's uh, popfilter.co and your pop, uh, patreon.com slash your popfilter. <clears throat> okay, so here's the thing: you're going to want to go on a website, right? And that reminds me of a story. One time, I was going on a website and I discovered that uh, your pop filter was on there, and uh, you go to all right so basically here's 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 the main idea is that you want to go to popfilter.co and um let's say all right let's see let me try and okay here let me put it to you this way what if you wanted to give some money to some people that made some podcasts of course of course you do now i'm 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 like some people call me like the pod boss and I just sort of, uh, or like the, pre- you know, I, I, I run scavengers network and I know what it's like to, to want to, to do a Patreon and, and, uh, and pop filter has, uh, it's Patreon. And, and I guess, um, so basically I guess what I'm saying, long story short is if you want to join the Patreon and media res, what you want to do is patreon.com slash your pop filter. I'm Colin. <laughs> all right and caitlin i am sending you that james that was wow i don't have the scratchy like the smoky so it was you have to sort of yeah, imagine that. Like yeah ham college right <laughs> you got that i want to say gloria swanson is that the right reference 
Yeah, Gloria Swanson, yeah, good, the good. old actress from Sunset Boulevard. Yeah, yeah, that's the one I was looking for. <laughs> I definitely get See, that reference you, for sure. You did an impression, and you didn't say who it was, so I had to take a guess. This is why we do this. This is why we have the structure we do, Ryan. Okay, I actually sent a text to Cassie, but Caitlin, did you get it? Oh, You're yeah, still okay. doing an impression of Cassie enough that you got the text that I was sent to Cassie. <laughs> and here to tell us about what's on next week's show is McKenna, a.k.a. Books from Unnatural 20s. Hi, I'm so tired because I just had a baby. <laughs> um, uh, but I was reading a book and I, I found this cool information. Um, uh, uh, as the paper girls leave us, um, um, the star girls return. Plus, the shushy for the best team. I'm McKenna. And I think... A.k.a. Books. I think that insults everyone that we work with, so I'm so happy for that. Uh, For Ryan, (laughs) I am James. I am Caitlin. Uh, And remember, we'll see you next week. Keep watching those TV shows based on comic books. While Americans overwhelmingly support the right of an individual to make their own decisions about abortion, unfortunately, that right is no longer protected anywhere in the U.S. The Supreme Court overturned Roe v. Wade on June 24th. Abortion is a basic healthcare need for millions of people who can become pregnant. Restricting access to comprehensive reproductive care, including abortion, threatens the health and independence of all Americans. Even if you live in a state where abortion rights are upheld, access to safe medical procedures shouldn't be determined by location, and it shouldn't be the privilege of a small few. And we're already seeing certain medical practices be restricted even in those states. You can help by donating to local abortion funds. To find out where to donate for each state, visit donationsforabortion.com. That's the number four, donationsforabortion.com. If you or someone you know needs help or if you want to get more involved, here are five resources. One, Shout Your Abortion is a campaign to normalize abortion. Two, Don't Ban Equality is a campaign for companies to take a stand against abortion restrictions. 3. Abortion.cafe has information about where to find clinics. 4. PlantCPills.org provides early at-home abortion pills that you can keep in your medicine cabinet. And 5. Choice.crd.co. That's choice.crd.co has a collection of these resources and more. You can also find all the links to these resources at podvoices.help and in the show notes. We encourage you to speak up, take care, and spread the word. They take the muffler off the the Batman car, and it's just it's exactly it's a one for one. Is that what Christian Bale did for his performances? Yeah. He took he his took his muffler, muffler off. exactly. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> there was a horrible accident when he was a child on Newsies, and they just fitted him up like a car. So that's awesome. Yeah. So he's like Transformers, basically. Yeah. It, the original title for that movie with Patrick as Patrick Bateman was American Psycho Car. <laughs> and someone thought it was a typo, so they just deleted car off of it, and uh, it was, and then everything else was exactly the same. That that's so perfect.